episode 35 of Capping Crew Cast of Pods. This is the episode for a very uh, late February. Well, not very late. We're only one day behind, but uh, it still caught us off guard. Uh, but anyway, uh, tonight I am here with Bill. Hello. Jada. Yo. And Kat. Hi. So, a small group tonight, and we're going to kind of mix it up a little bit. We're going to kind of change up uh, the way we do our show normally. Normally, we'll do three to four topics before the break, and another three to four at the end. Um, we're going to try one topic that we're going to expand upon a bit tonight. I don't think uh, it'll be that difficult. And I don't think it's going to be hard. <laughs> Actually, this could... I, I was thinking this might be a short episode. I think this could be normal length, or we might have to trim the back half to yeah. two topics. <laughs> um, so it's a wait and see. Oh, but, God, yeah. But before we get into this, um, you know, let's start the show. We start off every other episode. And the question I have for everybody tonight is this. Would you rather be an animated character living in the real world or a human living in a cartoon world? Uh, I'm going to start with Bill. So I already almost have an answer. However... If we were an animated character living in the real world, would we still be able to retain all of our weird cartoony quirks and like being able to get hit by an anvil and recover from it, things like that? Okay, we're going to say if you're a cartoon living in the human world, cartoon physics still apply to you. Nobody else, but maybe the objects you touch will gain those properties somewhat. Like if you picked up a rock Mm -hmm. and you're a cartoon character and you pick up a rock in the real world, you'll have cartoon physics. So you could probably throw it a state away if you wanted to. But if you're a human in the cartoon world, you are still just a human, but you're interacting with cartoon objects. That could be really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Really, really dangerous. So think Roger <laughs> Rabbit both yes, sides of the equation on how it works. Like, Roger is like still very much a cartoon when he's in that version of San Francisco. Eddie Valiant is very much still just a human walking around Toontown. Yeah. So with that said, I was going to come into this saying... Just give me Cool World, and I'll be fine. I'll be a human living in a cartoon world. Yeah. But thinking about that, no, I'd rather be a cartoon living in the real world. If I could make people, you know, laugh with my cartoon physics, uh, that would be pretty cool. Okay. Um, Definitely would want to be a cartoon version of me in the real world. I mean, let's be honest, like, cartoons don't have to, like, work out. You don't have to worry about, like, if your makeup's perfect or, like, aging or anything like that. Um, I would totally want to be a cartoon me. That and, you know... Being able to, like, throw anvils and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's kind of great. Like, if you get really angry, you can just blow something up. You can can blow up and you'll still be fine. Yep. So, but people will definitely know when you are enraged. So. Mm -hmm. Kat. So, my answer is weird. I guess, like, I would do a um, human living in a cartoon world because I think the cartoon world would be more accepting of me being different. Well, because you, you kind of are a walking cartoon anyway, it's true, so I know. It makes sense. <laughs> but like, you know, you look at a cartoon world, I mean, they openly are just used to weird and random and like different. Whereas especially here in America, I mean, differences are like let's paint a huge target. So, you know, I mean, like that makes me a little leery of being a cartoon cuz like I don't know, I don't really it's kind of like trust, if you're a human in a cartoon world, you our, uh, basically society. have magic at all points in yeah. time around you. Like, you but know, the opposite way around, you are the ma- You can't necessarily interact with it, though. Like, right. if you're the human living in the cartoon world, like, it can be done to you, but you can't necessarily. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But so, that's still an interesting perspective. I like that. I think mm-hmm. they would be more accepting. Yeah. Um... <laughs> For me, I think I'm going to go with Jada and Bill in this one, too. I think I'd rather be a cartoon living in our world. 
because it feels like one of the least weird things that is happening in today's day and age. So, <laughs> this is also um, true. But to kind of follow this up, what kind of cartoon cat would you want to live in? Like an anime or like something oh different? And then for Jada and Bill, what kind of cartoon character would you want to be? Would you want to be like an old school kind of like Disney character or modern Disney? Like a CG animated anime? Yeah, I'll stick cushy and happy with Disney. You're going to live in a Disney world? Okay. I would say probably like Disney Pixar or maybe, you know what? No, I'd go full on Disney Princess because then, you know, if I like stick my head out of my like window <laughs> at my house, I'm like, ah, 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 then all of a sudden all these forest animals come and clean my house and fold laundry for me. That'd be amazing. That, like, yeah. Right? You, like, you do kind of pull, like, a Fiona there. from Shrek and kill mm-hmm. all the birds. I'm like, we have breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, oh, why can't I think of her name from, um, Amy Adams' character from Enchanted. 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 Yes. There we go. Yeah. How about you, Bill? I think I'd be an anime character. Yeah. I'd be Aww. a super-powered anime character. <laughs> so I'd be really badass in the real world. Okay. And then and I have all power these... up a thousand times, go like super I'd be like, oh! times, yeah. And everyone's like, what are you doing? Are you pooping? No, <laughs> no, no my I power level's over 9,000. And I never quite understood that, co- that I almost said comic, I never quite understood that, well, it's hard to understand any kind of anime, really. But, I mean, like, it just seemed like it was 20 minutes of, like, opposing views of people taking a crap. Dragon Ball Z, yeah, so, pretty much. But you know what, Bill, after you do that and power up, they're like, Bill, just answer the damn phone. It's IT. It's not that difficult. <laughs> <laughs> episodes of that show which would just them powering up and it's it if, if bill had cartoons of him his call volume for that day would be <laughs> one <laughs> what were you doing all day i was powering up don't you know how that works i have to power up for like six episodes <laughs> uh, i i think i'd go maybe um i'd kind of mix it up i'd probably do like one of those like more don bluth style animations like you know like the American Tale, like, it was just that really fun Aww, look. It, like, had that really yeah. gorgeous visualization. You'd be a really cute mouse. You'd have to wear oh, your hat go. backwards, though. Aww, that would be there we go. <laughs> no, jaunty like. Oh, yes, jaunty. Uh, jaunty. jaunty. Slightly to the jaunty. side, but yes. not completely to look yes. douchey. Just more kind of precious. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so, okay, so tonight what we're going to do to dive in is we are going to talk Disney. And we're going to talk Disney in a, quite a matter of ways, actually. And I think the best way we can kind of start this off is what some of our favorite classic Disney films are, or maybe like, um, and that could be based on our time frame. It could be from, you know, Mary Poppins, Cinderella time frame. It could be when we were kids in the 80s and 90s. Uh, maybe a TV special, like The Wonderful World of Disney was big when we were growing up. Oh, gosh, yeah. So if there's something specific that really means something to our childhood, I figure maybe we can start there so everybody kind of knows where we stand in the realm of Disney. And we're going to kind of stick more to the cartoon angle. I mean, obviously, we can bring in Star Wars nowadays and Marvel when we have this discussion throughout all of this, but let's kind of start there, I think. Um, So whoever wants to dive in first and kind of state the one that means the most to them. Mm. I'm gonna go with. I'll, okay. I'll jump in. Okay, yeah, I'll jump in. Bill. Nobody else wants to go. Um, I'll go with Robin Hood. I oh, loved Robin, Robin Hood, and the songs were amazing. Like I love the music. Um, never mind. You know, now looking back at Robin Hood, starting maybe possibly the furry trend. <laughs> I mean, a lot of what Disney did started the furry trend. Yeah. Let's be Marian, honest. Marion, Maid Marion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Total girl. Fox. Hey! 
I can't I can't follow up with that. <laughs> um, there pretty much isn't one. <laughs> but even after that, uh, I still consider this a classic Disney film, even though it's kind of skirting the edge. Uh, Lion King. Yeah. Well, I think it's still Lion acceptable King's because like it's over 20 years old now. Yeah. It's over 20 years old. It was like early 90s. Yeah. It was 91 to 93 right in that era. That was during that like real big reemergence of Disney. I think 1990 was Aladdin. And 1989 was The Little Mermaid, which really kind of boosted them into that, like like really skyrocketed them into like the whole nouveau Disney princess theme and like really just kickstarted their anime stuff, animated stuff. So, I mean, I, I love The Lion King, and growing up, I had no idea that it was based in any kind of other story. Yeah. Like, Hamlet. Hamlet, yeah. Um, oh. and, I, and, you know, it was just, the characters were amazing. Timon and Pumbaa brought the perfect amount of comic, comic relief at mm-hmm. the point in the movie where you needed mm-hmm. it most, and they, they kept it going until it got serious, and then everybody got serious. Like, the movie never missed a beat. Yeah. It really it was extremely did. well yeah. done. And the animation even was, I mean, gorgeous. was absolutely gorgeous for for that time frame as well. It's when they started playing around a little bit with that idea of using CG to work with traditional animation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw it in Aladdin first with the uh, the magic carpet. Yep. Uh, because yeah. the magic carpet was a CG Oh my god. That was creation. actually Pixar. Yeah. Aladdin that, that is did arguably that. the first Pixar movie. Yep. Yeah. Really? Pixar did the design work for that. I think the very first thing that oh they ever god. did was Young Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Well, actually, no, that was the very first, that was actually the first example of CG in a modern film, and that was mid, mid to late 80s, like 87, okay. 88, yeah. and I think some of the people that worked on that created the studio that ultimately became Pixar, uh, awesome. and they did tiny little pieces before they did their own first short. Yeah. So. I mean, Pixar, you know, with working with Aladdin, they really showed you a whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> but, um, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't wish for anything better. <laughs> I am gonna take that away from you. I started it, and I'm gonna take it yes. away. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. Yes. Um, All right. So I would say probably my favorite classic Disney films. I'm gonna go with two classics that I absolutely love: Sword in the Stone, mm-hmm. um, because I love Arthurian legend, and it just really. That kind of kickstarted my interest in it as a kid. Um, just, you know, and the mentor-mentee vibe that that one gives up. Plus all the cool magic stuff. Like, they turn into squirrels and fish. And, you know, the, the dishes that wash themselves. And it's, you know, it's, it's a tale about, you know, an underdog who kind of comes from nothing and becomes a king of England. How cool is that? Um, and the time-traveling wizard who goes to Bermuda. So, I mean, <laughs> Merlin was just awesome in that in that movie. And Archimedes the Owl. Um, Mad you know, Madam Mim. Mad Madam Mim is probably one of the, the... The wizard duel in that is still one of my favorite all-time scenes from Disney. Hands um, Another one from that era that I love, um, which was actually... I don't love it for the protagonist. I loved Sleeping Beauty as a kid. That was one of my favorite... And still yeah. one of my favorite prin- princessy movies. Yeah. Um... Mainly because I loved the fairies. Because you have, the you know, your awesome, awesome. unseely, slighted Maleficent, mm-hmm. and then you have the cute little pixies who are constantly fighting over if the dress is going to be pink or blue. Yeah. You know, the, the kind of cutesy love story aspect of it. But, you know, the, the sidekicks and the extraneous character, not extraneous, but the sidekicks and, like, the sort of secondary characters in that movie really made it for me. Um, and one of the most badass-looking dragons in all of right? animation. Absolutely. Maleficent's Still. dragon was it completely was really badass. Cool. Yeah. Um, absolutely love her. She's probably my favorite. She's amazing. That I'm going to touch on a later subject, but she's <laughs> one of my absolute favorite villains of all time in Disney. 
Um, for newer Disney, um, I love Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, That's, it's so good. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm so excited for the live action version coming out. It looks in March. super, Yay. super good. Can't wait to take my little girl to it. Um, but yeah. 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 Um, actually, Beauty and the Beast is one of mine. Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, I think, were, like, my two biggest ones. Like, Aladdin's the, my husband's favorite. My god, Aladdin was so good. And, yeah. I mean, like, I really, I loved the music in Aladdin. Um, and then, like, Beauty and the Beast, it was, um, I mean, I'm gonna love the main character who loves books. That's Of course. <laughs> that's an easy association. And tea. <laughs> yeah, books and tea. I mean, I'm sold. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, like, those two really left an imprint we watched, I mean, so we didn't really have that many movies growing up, but, like, Disney ones were the ones that we did have, because my aunt used to get them for all the cousins, and so we would all watch them. Apart from that, though, we had our five VHS tapes that we all swapped for <laughs> the McIntyre family, and so, like, apart from Disney movies, my knowledge of movies was, like, nothing. Mm-hmm. There was something really special on this, because you bring that up. The like, VHS cassette tapes. It, it was, it was that white ones. No, those yeah. big white clamshells. Because yes. when you saw uh-huh. the edge of them, you knew it was a Disney and movie. And you knew you were, A, going to be allowed to watch it, and B, it was going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Actually, like, yeah. Sleeping Beauty was one of the first Disney VHS tapes I, VHS tapes I ever had. Awesome. I gotta say, for me, I'm gonna throw in one I don't think a lot of people would expect, but there definitely is some of the best classic animation I can remember: Bedknobs and Broomsticks. <gasps> oh my god, I loved that! That we yeah. recorded that one off of TV one year, and Aww. I remember there was like a couple parts where you still had like cheesy '80s commercials spliced mm-hmm. in, but yeah. such a good one. Angela Lansbury is fantastic yeah. in that movie, um, oh and god. like some really great music was in that as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and I think. It was that was my love of like medieval armor. It was the first time I saw oh it. It was gosh, the big yes. sequence at the end of that movie where they are in the museum in Germany yep. and they see you see all these suits come to life and fight the Nazis off. It like <laughs> it was so over the top, but it was so great. But like even the animation bits in it were super cool and unique. It was the big soccer game that you saw. I think I still remember the um what was the the chant that they had to do at the end to bring everything. Uh, it was Traguna, McCoydes, Sikorum, Satis D. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, there was something about the movie that was just really, really special. I would say outside of that, though, if we're going to kind of butt up a little bit closer, um, I got to give it to Aladdin. Oh, Aladdin, definitely. I still was, I think, one of my absolute favorites. Like, the music mm-hmm. was fantastic. Remember when I saw that in the theater for the first time? Um, and it was such a memorable moment. It was so great and unique, and everything about that was really just different and special. And I loved being there with one of my friend's parents who was laughing at all these different jokes that I just didn't get. <laughs> oh, I know. And when I got older, and I'm like, oh, wow, there's a whole different level to this movie. Yep. Because I was just at about that point of like maybe nine or ten where it wasn't, I didn't understand why people were laughing, but I was able to take in what they were doing. And I'm like, okay, okay the genie's doing an impersonation of somebody. I don't know who the hell that's supposed to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And then later you're like, oh, that's supposed to be Milton Berle or this. Or yep. you're like, that's kind of awesome. So mm-hmm. so I think something about what that era was was really special. But it was like this fun stories. And I think it was kind of amusing too. Because just, I think, two weeks ago, something came up about Aladdin that's finally been confirmed. And it's been a fan theory oh, yeah. for so long. The director of Aladdin actually came out, I think it was about a week ago. And stated, I want to state about a fan theory everybody's had that the salesman in the beginning is actually the genie. Oh, wait, I was took that 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 actually was a thing. But there's been a lot of 
like combating evidence against it too, where mm-hmm. people were never quite sure. Nobody ever had an answer. So people were either on the camp of it was or it wasn't. But okay. apparently there was a sequence they were going to do at the very end that they cut where it was actually going to see him, uh, I think, um, kind of have a special wink or a nod of who he was. Um, oh, and they never awesome. ended up doing it. You know, yeah. I read that article, and for me, I just always took that for mm-hmm. granted that it was him, not th- not necessarily just because it was the right. same voice actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um... But, yeah, it was just the idea of it was many, many years ago when he found a way to become, like, when he was human, you now fully at that point. Yeah. That's his appearance. So... That's awesome. But they finally did confirm really that is indeed who that the salesman oh, actually I is. Bet. So... I love the best story that came out of Aladdin from that opening scene. Yeah. Is they just put Robin Williams in a room with a whole bunch of sound effects stuff and said, you know, improv, go to town. Here's a rough, like, kind of a rough script. And when he's like, oh, will not break. Oh, it broke. Because he actually broke the thing that he was toying with. (laughs) That's amazing. You know, it's funny. I was actually just having a conversation with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago about, um, you know, Aladdin was truly like a lightning in a bottle kind of movie, mm-hmm. um, you know, with Robin Williams and, you know, many of the things that he did just were mm. him goofing off, improving, and then they're like, oh, shit, let's animate that. Yeah. Um, when they made Mulan, I feel like they almost tried to do that again yeah. with Mushu. It did not. But they, it, it didn't no. It didn't quite hit the mark. No. Like, they really were trying to make him sort of like a genie, too, and they're like, we have this awesomely funny guy. Let's, let's get Eddie Murphy in there, and let's try and uh-huh. make this happen again. And Mulan is such an amazing movie for so many reasons. And I liked Mushu as like kind of like the comic sidekick. But it was just like Genie was... You have this person that's unhinged Uh versus somebody that's really good with a script. Yes. And that's the difference. Eddie Murphy can take a script and do really good things and unique takes to it. Mm -hmm. Robin Williams, you don't know what you're going to get because you could just go on a tirade for like hours on Uh end. So it was always really unique to watch... Whenever he appeared in anything animated, like, mm-hmm. you know, Fern Gully oh was one I know Kat's favorite. He was amazing as Batty, but again, that role really worked for him mm-hmm. because it was like a he was unhinged. Bat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was unhinged. He was like constantly like spouting random crap and mm-hmm. like bursting into, you know, it has but one club. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I so I, okay. I think I have an idea where everybody's going to come from when we go into these discussions. Then, so now let's kind of take uh, turn the clock back and go to the classics, and let's talk a little bit about like Snow White, um, yeah. you know, Beauty and the Beast, all these the, the traditional Disney princess ones that we think of before we're, we get to that Sword in the Stone Robin Hood point. You mean, I think you mean Snow White, like Cinderella, Rella, Sleeping Beauty. Beauty. Yeah, like exactly. That those ones were the, the when I think the, of like the original Pinocchio, the yes, yeah, right. like the original Disney classics. Um, Dumbo was another one, right? Um, you know, there's first of all, I, I want to touch on some things that, um, you know, when you watch Disney movies from the bygone eras, we'll say, yeah. A lot of things that you see now, you look at and you're like, oh, well, that's uh, that's very overtly racist. Yeah. Like the Siamese cats from Lady and the uh-huh. Tramp. Um, the crows from Dumbo. Like there are so many elements now that oh, you're yes. like, oh, You're shit. like, this is, you can like, see how they were one step away from doing Song of the South. Yeah. Where you're like, yeah. oh. Oh, the one that they don't talk about. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that never happened. I don't yeah, know the Disney movie nobody really talks about. But, um, you know, there's, there's definitely, they've changed so much in that. Just not, even if you... Take a look at how now they're really empowering more of the female characters versus mm-hmm. you're a princess, you need a prince to come and save you. Well, yeah. let's let's well let's take this and look at this in three 
three areas. We'll look at classic Disney, and we'll say that goes to right before... What is it? Is Beauty and the Beast before uh, Little Mermaid? Little Mermaid was 89. Beauty and the Beast was 92. Yeah. Okay. Because then it was like, it was actually nominated, yeah. I think, for an Academy Award. Right. It was either 91 or 92. Because that was a whole, that was the new era. Like, okay. That was a whole new world? It was a whole new world. So let's, <laughs> we're going to say the classic era goes up until right before Little Mermaid. Sure. We'll say Little Mermaid up and through, maybe let's say Atlantis. Okay. Right before, so right before Princess and the Frog. And then yeah. we'll say Princess and the Frog to current is what we that consider now yeah. modern. Yeah. So yeah. we can say the middle era, classic era, and then modern era. Yeah. And we can view it it that way. And let's kind of like see from where it started to where it is now, and kind of if we can look at the you know transitions and how character it got to depth. the oh, sure. character depth right. is like the one hundred. Oh my god! Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the originals; it was like caricature. Like it, again, they were caricatures. They weren't actually. They characters. absolutely were. And actually, if you look at. Um, the very first Disney full-length feature, which was Snow White. Yeah. Um, Snow White is Mary Pickford. Like, if you look at some of the original, you know, even silent films from the 1920s and, like, early 1930s, Mary Pickford was the character. They actually took very similar actresses of that time yeah. and they watched how they moved on screen and that okay, very like yeah. oh you know where she's yeah. like you know a hand to her face and like super that that, that, it, that very melodramatic feel and even the hair that like that that sense. coiffed yeah. little bobbed look that was a very 1920s look yeah I mean they were basically just painting a picture of a princess over top of an actual actress Interesting. Um, so again, it's that. very two-dimensional. Yeah. And, you know, all she wants is one day her prince will come and save her from her horrible life of scrubbing floors. Um, <laughs> well, and then she moves in with seven guys and is scrubbing floors and cooking for them. So Yeah. Well, that's one of the ways, I don't know if people here know why Disney's films back then had a certain special look to them. Because all of the actual animation is done through rotoscoping. So it's going through... People filmed out the sequences and they animated over top of it. That's why everything looks as fluid as it does. Interesting. The movements of the cape, the movements of, you know. Because everything was legit. Like, there's another place where you can see rotoscoping where it's a little bit more raw. And if you've ever seen the animated version of of The Hobbit. um, Well, Hobbit, or actually, more specifically, Return of the King. Mm -hmm. When they do that version of Lord of the Rings, when you see the Black Riders, they're all done in charcoals through rotoscoping. Yeah. And they all had this very unique look, but that's basically the bones what old Disney used to be. Yeah. So that's why it had that really unique look to it. So they were really. I never realized that was the actual. They were. Before. They were innovating yeah, yeah. Yeah. way back when when animation was first becoming that's something really special. Weird, yeah. So. Even though they were innovating, yeah, I still don't think they they were really as innovative as they are now because they didn't create their own original stories. Yeah. They took stories from fairy tales and they made the characters. You know, as they were from fairy tales, they took the characters, you know, that they that voiced them or acted them in real life. Public domain, baby. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. good, and it was it was what they could do, and and really almost nobody else was doing it at the time. Now, though, you're right. Like, but yeah, I mean, now, like going up till now, it's pretty much. I feel it's all original now. Well, some of it's still a lot of it's still based on mythology in some level. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at Frozen. Um, that's based on the legend, Snow the Queen. Norse legends of the Snow Queen and the Ice Queen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Moana, the legends of Maui. That's mm-hmm. that's taken from the Polynesian culture and uh, the indigenous peoples of the Hawaiian Islands. So, Scooch oh, forward. sorry, <laughs> sorry. But they're you know they're yes they are taking those stories and adapting them. But 
you know, before I feel like Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, even like The Little Mermaid was just like, yeah. okay, here's a story, plop, let's Disney-fy it. Let's Disney-fy it. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I don't think you really started seeing kind of that version of originality out of them um, back then with their storytelling until they got to something like, I would say, probably Robin Hood. Like, Robin Hood, I think, is where you started seeing them take a tale and kind of twist it around a little bit and had a little more fun with it. A little bit yeah. of Sword in the Stone, too. Sword in the Stone. And I, I like with, with both of those, and I, I don't know if they were done by the same production teams aside from just it being mm-hmm. Disney, but I like that there was episodic... There's an episodic nature to each of them. Like, there are little vignettes of stories yeah, in I mean, each like, of those movies. Yeah, I mean, like, we were talking about, you know, Sword in the Stone and very clearly, like, The Wizard's Duel. I've seen The Wizard's Duel cut out of that film so many times in so many Disney specials growing up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is the best part. Yeah! Uh, and that's what you want to see. Like, you know, you even look at Mary Poppins and Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. The animated sequences of that have always been lifted. And you kind of forget about the rest of the story sometimes. Mm-hmm. But they all have these very long, iconic moments that have the pretty much length of one to two cartoons and it's this perfect almost 10 minute length you're like cool we want to splice this up in a thousand one ways we can totally do it yep yeah um okay so from the classics i would say in all honesty it's very much that someday my prince will come is the general theme in the very first couple i mean like very two-dimensional and the guys like don't most of them don't even have names yeah, it's, it's like just, you look at it, just kind it of is consider it like Prince, Prince Charming. It's the Prince or, or Prince Charming. It's what it's yeah. Prince Philip, Prince Charming. Yeah. They like they don't even don't have even, actual names. I don't there, know that there just... was a name for the Prince in Cinderella. They just no, call him the Prince. Just the prince. And very very minimal it's, dialogue I mean, like, lines yeah. too. They are there purely as the MacGuffin. Just like this is get what gets all these characters out of their situation. Right. They're the Deus yeah. Ex Machina. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, they like they weren't really reinventing the wheel from like um, the fairy tales of old. Because if you actually like go back and read a lot of those fairy tales, they're just very bare bones. Like, there's very little actual character written into them. It's just a basic story concept. Okay, so is there any maybe big standouts that we put in this classic era? Like, aside from the ones we talked about, like Robin Hood and Sword of the Stone, that really kind of, like, stick out? Like, I know a lot of people mentioned Dumbo, but I think, again, that's that more vignette. Like, everybody remembers Pink Elephants on Parade, mm-hmm. yeah. but the rest of it, you're kind of like, meh. I mean, <laughs> Monstro is you kind of memorable as a child, but yeah. nowadays, when you go back, I'm like, that movie's just depressing. I don't really <laughs> like no, watching okay, it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like uh, like you know, Dumbo and Pinocchio. I think very probably much... like the most character development that you get in a Disney movie from that classic era would probably be Pinocchio, because yeah. you have, and, and it's not necessarily even Pinocchio. Yes, he is sort of the self, you know, he's sort of, you know, he's coming into his own. He's learning not to lie. He's becoming, you know, he's becoming a real boy. Yeah, but. You also have Jiminy Cricket, who's actively trying to save him, and he's probably the most in-depth that character makes sense. in that movie. Yeah. What about things like um, Lady and the Tramp, Rescuers, Black Cauldron? Oh, the Black, Black Cauldron, Cauldron and the Rescuers. So the Black Cauldron, I remember seeing that one in the movie theater in like the 80s. Oh my god. Because um, that that's kind of as we're getting to the end of this era. Yeah. So say, the, books, the end of the classic um, era. Yeah, the book's Black Cauldron was based off of... That's actually one where they didn't take it from um, like mythology. Now, the books that came from... Um, what is it? The Pretty Chronicles? The Prydain Chronicles, they were um, Lloyd Alexander, and that was all based off of Welsh, Welsh mythology, but it was um, already reinvented. So they were kind of taking a story that was originally from mythology and then respun. Actually, the guy who wrote it, Lloyd Alexander, was from Drexel Hill, PA. Huh. Yeah. Mm. 
I know. They, those were my favorite books growing up. So, like, Black Cauldron was, I loved it. I mean, it was very different. It was definitely not as dark, funny enough. Not as dark? Yeah, no. It got, it was really dark in the books. <laughs> <laughs> well, For Disney. Did the one little furry guy, like, he, like, jumped into the... Sacrificed himself. Yeah, he sacrificed himself. Fergie. He sacrificed know, himself. Fergie. Fergie. That's his name, yes. But he's, like, he sacrificed himself for the rest of the party. Like, yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, there's the level, there, there was sacrifice in, um, the books, but, um, in the Black Cauldron book, um, it was a different character who actually, like, sacrificed himself and died and stayed dead. <laughs> it was, uh, it was a different character. Gurgi survived, but there was a lot of stuff with Gurgi in that book, too. Again, it got, re- it was really, really dark, and you're like, oh. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the movie theater, because I think my aunt and uncle were taking us to the movies as kids. And they're like, oh, it's a Disney movie, and my sister's not really, like, horrified. <laughs> but Gurgi! Bill is now looking up Black Cauldron. No, 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 no. I'm looking up something else, because I'm going to mention it, and I'm not sure if it's a Disney movie or not. Oh, you can actually just I know, bring it up. it's tough to figure and out I, sometimes. I, the Great Mouse Detective. That is oh, very yeah, much. Oh, yeah, that's Disney. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh. it really was Oliver and Company is another one we forgot in the mix, because mm-hmm. that's also a very forgotten Disney yes. film. Yes. Some yes. of those, like, mid mid to late well, 80s ones. Right. There was a big portion where they decided, let's just animate characters as animals. You know, 101 yeah. Dalmatians, yeah. Great oh Mouse Detective, yeah. uh, Lady and the Tramp, yeah. the, Aristocrat, uh, the Aristocats. The Aristocats. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, the Oliver Aristocats and Company was just like, hey, look, animals. Yeah. I think Oliver and Company was, that was like mid to late 80s, because I remember that one as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was them trying to kind of capture some of those older Disney movies that were more like the dogs mm-hmm. animated mm-hmm. and Lady and the Tramp and all that, and trying to kind of modernize that, because you also had like some big name people were in that. I think actually Billy, Billy Joel, Joel was yep. the name, he was the sort of... Artful sca- Dodger. Of the mm-hmm. Artful Dodger, yes, the scampy dog mm-hmm. or whatever, trying to oh. help little Oliver survive. It's yep. funny. It's yeah. stupid that I know that and I still have actually never seen the full movie. Oh, I know I saw it at one point the whole way through, but I mean, it's you know, been it probably, so long. Yeah. yeah. It's probably like nine or something. I barely so. remember. Okay. So now thinking of where we put our timeline, I know Jada, you mentioned yours. If you want to bring it up again, uh, everybody's least favorite from this era. Bed knobs, bed knobs and broomsticks. Oh, because throwing it down. I don't know why. <laughs> I do not like Angela Lansbury. <laughs> I just don't. I can't stand her Were you for some reason. Were to watch reason. multiple episodes of Murder, She Wrote as a Child? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and I just, yeah, like, even though like Murder, She Wrote is a great show, and I should get into it. No, I kind of understand that. It's kind of like, if that's all I knew her from, I'd be like, she's competent and all, but I remember like feeling like being punished she at my aunt's house. She was the last unicorn, right? Yeah, yeah she, she's yeah, also yeah. Mrs. Potts. Yeah, she's and, Mrs. Potts. Yeah. But, like, it feels like I watched a lot of Murder, She Wrote followed up by Columbo a lot as a child. (laughs) And it was all very forced upon me. I mean, you know, if you want to combine real life and animation, give me Mary Poppins from the classic era any day. And I'll watch that every day, all day. Dick Van Dyke is He's amazing. amazing. He's 90 and still that amazing. Yeah. The man yeah. can tap dance and yep. he's like 90. That's awesome. I want to be, that's like major life goals right there. <laughs> now, what were you saying? You said I, I mentioned my least favorite? I think you said one of your least favorites was, you said, was it Snow White? You said it was one of your least favorites? No, Cinderella. Oh, Cinderella, no. Cinderella. Cinderella. Sorry. Honestly, it's just the whole, like, yes, she was kind and yes, she was good to animals and, you know, she was she was sweet, but she she didn't do, I mean, everything was done to her and then she was saved. Mm-hmm. Like, she had no, there was no sense of purpose. There was no way for her, well, I don't say there was no way for her to get herself out of 
But she didn't try to get herself out of anything. No. She didn't say, hey, you know, Lady Tremaine, this is my house, GTFO. Like, yeah. get your daughters and get out. This, this is my legacy. This is my house. And I am, you know, I'm the lady of the manor. Mm-hmm. No. Um, so, I mean, and then, you know. She was very passive. She was. She was extremely she was passive. passive. And I, I'm not really a passive person and I'm not really into <laughs> raising passive daughters. So I guess to me that was, you know. Okay. So then she comes down the stairs. She made her dress and her, you know, her stepsisters rip it apart. So she runs into the garden and cries and waits for her fairy godmother to come and save her. Yeah. Like there's, there's Everything no. Everything is waiting for someone to exactly. save her. Exactly. Everything is yeah. waiting for someone to save her. And I just, I don't love that message. I mean, yes, yeah. the songs were, the songs are cute from that movie. And like part of me will always be like, oh, they can't stop me from dreaming. Yes, that's adorable. Like, but use those dreams. Make that, make that dream yeah. happen. Like we have, we have some heroines now who are actively making their dreams happen and chasing mm-hmm. those dreams and going beyond that. The, the, the waiting, for that's kind of like. Well, a tornado ripped my house apart, but God will provide. And I'm like, yeah. sure they will. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just, it's never been one of my favorites. And also, I think it promotes a lot of um, infighting between women and that whole, like, you know, oh, that's the true. ugly stepsisters. They're obviously bad because they're ugly. And, mm-hmm. you know, Cinderella is beautiful and kind. So, obviously, you know, beauty equals you're, you're the good person. Yeah. And, you know... Bad people are ugly. It, it also, it promotes just a lot of that, like, cattiness between women and girls that I just hate. Yeah. So, for me, yeah. it's just, it, it's so, it's so dated. It's just, I don't know. It, it definitely is. There are definitely some great Cinderella stories out there. Uh, my favorite being Ever After. That was a Drew Barrymore oh, flick from, like, the that. 90s. Yeah. Uh, um, where she that. saves herself. And yeah. her stepsister, one of them turns out to be pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's still some of the same back and forth and go between but she rescues the prince at one point like that's how cool. freaking cool is that sorry that's that's my tirade no, that's so it's just it's not my favorite Kat, what is your least favorite from the classic probably era? snow white for similar reasons mm-hmm. with the passive heroine but like one of the things with snow white is like i i always felt she was really rude i'm sorry <laughs> she like stumbles into a stranger's house and just like sets up camp like I know, like, she was escaping, Squatters and rights. Bubble, but, but she totally just squats with, like, the... It's and the Goldilocks mentality. I totally right. get yeah. that. Like, who, go, like, who does that? Like, you're just going to walk into somebody else's yeah. house that you don't know? Don't really? don't really like that. But then also, on top of that, like, she's constantly not listening to basic directions. She just follows under that stupid, like, too stupid... Like, in um literature, it's called the too stupid to live trope. But, like, <laughs> she does. It's like, they're like, don't, don't talk to strangers. And she's like, oh, look, it's a stranger. Let me open the door. Exactly. Like, no. Yeah, it's the ultimate don't take care from strangers. Well, you know yeah. what? Absolutely. The big answer to all this is they, this could have taken place in Canada because that is still okay and acceptable. People <laughs> don't lock true. their doors up there. Canada we have friends lovely. that we have people that lived up there. Like, nope, that's pretty commonplace. But the thing is, like, you know, she's ha- <laughs> from the owners of the house. She's giving given direct, like, you know, please don't, you know, do this. Clear in specific yeah. direction. Right. Do and, not do this. And she doesn't. She is a squatter in their house. Like, have some respect. Not only it's that, but she knows that she's been cast she's out in into trouble. the woods. Exactly. She knows that she's in trouble. She knows that somebody is chasing her. Like, the woodsman even there says, your stepmother told me to kill you. Like, run away. Yeah. So she does. But then she doesn't think, oh, there's this old hag here with an apple, a bright, shiny red oh, apple. Man. Yeah, no, I totally she get that. She just brought me a comb. I'm going to put it in my hair. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it makes no yeah. sense. And yeah. it always drove me nuts because I'm like... 
there like there are so many red flags and she just like bobbles through all of them yeah. and then ends up you know in a coma and it's like well shock mm-hmm. you know you didn't listen <laughs> like it's not a great message for kids either yeah. it's like totally get that i think for me my my least favorite is probably dumbo i i, I just it's dumbo or pinocchio it's a hard tie between the two of them like if i was given the choice to watch either I'd probably try to find a way to give myself a concussion. <laughs> Another one? Another yeah. one. Just find um, a ball pit somewhere. Yeah, right. I'll find a ball pit somewhere and I'll be good to go. Um, but yeah, no, there's there's something about both of those movies. I mean, like, Jiminy Cricket is like, he's, yes, the conscious, but like, he's just annoying. Like, there's nothing fun about him. Fierro is just the obnoxious, just an obnoxious cat that's just obnoxious for obnoxious sake. Figaro. Figaro, sorry. Fierro is from uh, Wicked. Wicked. That is, sorry. (laughs) Figaro. So, yeah, Figaro is just kind of obnoxious. And just even the music in it, there's nothing really fun and inspiring about either of the music in either of those movies. Like... They're probably, honestly, they're probably my two two of my... Pink Elephants on Parade is probably the best song out of those two of them, and that's still kind of, like... Just watching this massive drug trip. Yeah. yeah. I'm and pretty like, sure they just gave the animators lots of LSD. And, and that's pretty said, much hey, it. Write I mean, some circusy stuff about this. But I think both of those movies, if, if I could remove them from the Disney vault forever and flush them down the toilet, that would be great. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, too. Out of all these conversations, none of us actually mentioned Alice in Wonderland. I just realized this. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Good kind of like, Which is still like one of like the most that's iconic the versions everybody thinks about, mm-hmm, too. Yeah. I'm amazed we missed that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's now move into the middle era of this starting off, like, I don't know the best way to put it. Maybe, yeah. like I said, it's the Golden Age, the Silver Age, and the Modern Age. So yeah. we'll now move forward into the Silver Age, starting with The Little Mermaid, and that takes us all the way through things like yeah. the director DVD, um, and then up to right before Princess and well, the Frog. I feel uh, like Princess in that the era, we made a lot of strides in developing characters. Yes. Like, you actually have characters that you can, like, that aren't just the caricatures. Like, you're like, oh. You also have the re-emergence of the really talented songwriters. Yes. Um, I mean, when you look at some of the music, when when I was nine years old, I'm talking about, like, how old my daughter is now, watching The Little Mermaid for the first time. I mean, we were just... A, completely blown away by her hair. I mean, life goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that color yeah. and that sway. Yeah. And every girl ever tried to do that aerial hair flip out of the pool <laughs> of the ocean at some point in your life. And if you say you're not, you're lying through your teeth. Um, but, like, when you hear the music from that movie, and that was, I think, it was, who was it? Danny Elfman and... Um, Alan Macon? Alan Macon, thank you. Yes. Um, I mean, they were just... They were just outstanding. I mean, you have part of your world, which is this just like epic ballad, and you have some of the sea shanties, just like from start to finish, mm-hmm. that movie, just there's so many good songs and so much good it's it's a great it's a good story. And they really took, you know, kind of a dark fairy tale, like you were saying, mm-hmm. you know, she cuts off her feet and turns into sea foam and the yeah. original what was it, the yep. Hans Christian Anderson Anderson, version yeah. of it. But they, you know, they take this and they turn it into this happy, beautiful Disney love story, and let's talk about Ursula, who's one of the best Disney villains. Oh my God, she was amazing. Ever, yeah. ever. The sassy Bill, Bill, it looks like you need to chime <laughs> in here. Uh, best Disney villains. She's one. I would say she's in the top ten. Okay, okay. I can I can agree yeah. with that. All right, we'll, we'll get there. I have a feeling this is going to be a Disney episode because we're already forty minutes in. <laughs> And we're only on the second out of eight Disney it. talking points. I love it. So I think we're just going to, let's just stick Disney, Disney through this up until the bitter Power end. through <laughs> Disney nerds, man. You're right. So. No, actually, like, on the music note, though, music from those, like, those movies, 
are the type that like I still get like when the um, Beauty and the Beast trailer came out and you hear the background of Taylor's <gasps> oldest time goosebumps yes! like just goosebumps even just I was the like, beginning like I, I remember buying all the soundtracks on oh CDs gosh, as well yeah. as well as the clamshell VHSs of them mm-hmm. but um like that first do 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 yes that gives oh me chills every God. time when yeah. they start in with the, the so overture great. I know a lot of people lost their minds when the teaser oh for the live God. action came out because it was just it, had that it was the Taylor's oldest this time just in this like really kind of very mellow version and you mm-hmm. just saw the pedal fall and that was uh-huh. it yeah. and they and then, gave it and I saw people in theaters lose their minds. Oh I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I lost Absolutely. my mind. I mean <laughs> I was pretty excited. And the other the other good thing about this era is really when they started to you know they started to get big names and not not really just get big names but big names that we recognize and can associate with today. Mm-hmm. Like who was in who was in Little Mermaid? Anybody know? Um, voice actors. I'm trying to remember who were the big ones were. I, I, I think I know there's going to be ones that are going to be, you know, fairly hefty. I think I want to say Sebastian was somebody fairly prominent. Yeah, and it is. Though. It is really. I'm also I'm, probably one of the great, one of the best like comic relief. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he you know him with the uh, the the chef. Oh yeah. Zotolo, I have missed one. That's one of my favorite things. To he was awesome. Love him. Um, but just that was a big one for mascots too. They got really mm-hmm. into mascots. That was that kind era. of the big resurgence of that because beforehand, as we were saying, like the golden age, you're seeing all those characters, all your main characters were animals. We were saying near the bitter end. So this was the transition to back to people again, mm-hmm. and the animalistic and the characters were the side characters. Yeah, yeah. so more sidekicks, but they mm-hmm. were still very, they were even still very developed characters. Yeah. They were. They really were. I mean, like, I'm trying to think. I mean, Sebastian's Aladdin. a musical genius. Aladdin, Aladdin. Abu. Abu. Aladdin. Like, mm-hmm. Abu was he was the most expressive monkey. He was. And elephant. And elephant, yes. yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he was an elephant, elephant climbing that tree. <laughs> and then, you know, as annoying as his voice is for some people, Iago. Oh, oh yeah, God. definitely. Yeah. It's so true. Actually, you know, you know what? Going through, there's only two names I even recognize on IMDb for Little Mermaid. Really? And honestly, that so, is... I only recognized one, and it's Rene Auberginois, who plays Chef Louis. Yes! But and he's he because also... he's he's in Star Trek Deep Space Nine as okay. Odo. But that's the only reason I know who he Buddy is. Buddy Hackett, who was Scuttle. Okay. And Pat Carroll, who was Ursula. And gotcha. that was it. Those are the only two. Even even the voice for uh, well, we were talking like Lion King though. I mean Jeremy Irons is Scar. Oh, Jeremy Irons is like, James Earl Jones is Mufasa. And yes. it's great. How awesome is it that James Earl Jones is the one coming back for the live action to redo Mufasa? Get out, really? Oh, so everybody's nail has their fingers crossed that it's He's... gonna be it's gonna be um what's his name Jeremy Irons, Irons coming back to do that Scar because we got the voice of the adult version of Simba we don't know who's playing young Simba though okay because it was Jonathan Taylor Thomas that played the young yeah. young Simba and then it was Matthew Broderick who played older Simba yeah we know it's uh, Donald Glover who's from Community yeah uh, is awesome. playing the adult version of Simba this time that's around. fantastic so that's the only voices that have been announced so far as those two so yeah I mean, those were, like, Lion King had some really standout ones. Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously Robin Williams and, um... Aladdin. Yeah. Right. It was, like, such a And then Gilbert Godfrey, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, as Iago, yeah. and that was kind of fantastic. Now, I don't remember who, aside from Angela Lansbury as Mrs. Potts, I don't really remember who many of the voice, the voice cast were. were. That's true. I don't from, either. Um, from Beauty and the Beast, and that's one of my favorite, yeah. favorite ones. Again, music, yeah. the music alone in that, and the, the theatricality and just, like, 
the expanse of seeing the castle and just the mm-hmm. intimate, like the details of all the like gargoyles and everything they did. And it was just it gorgeous. Was so One of the ones too, I gotta say, especially from the Silver Age, is got to be Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh yeah, it's them yeah. playing with stop motion, oh, uh, stop motion animation. I mean, it's touched touched on pictures. Christmas was like um, a whole that yeah. It was a complete different angle for Disney, but I mean, they uh-huh. were very involved in that. That's true. Uh, but they released it through their subhouse being Touchstone at the time. Yeah. Um, and everybody always so well, likes. It was Tim Burton, right? Well, he was a producer. He yeah. wasn't even the director. A lot of people always gave him credit for that. it. Uh, it's somebody else that actually is the director gotcha. of that piece. But yeah. Burton was heavily involved in like character designs and yeah. stuff like that, but everybody remembers that really heavily for. Uh, oh my God, we just said his name. Um, musician. Danny Elfman. Elfman. Yes. Because um, that was like oh Elfman's God. time to shine was since like you it know really the was. That was late eighties like... up through um, to like, early two thousands. Scissorhands, Nightmare Before, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, so that was very prominent. Um, but I mean, there was something special about that even then too, because it was seeing Disney try something different, doing stop motion, which we never really saw them play with too much. Yeah, they got very adventurous with like styles too, because like um, Hercules, like Delph, you know, they did like the Greek mythology spin, but they got like really fun and like different with their music for that one um, like, I love the girl group the, the muses as like yes. the like sort of I duet really girl group oh my that. gosh how great was that it was really fun and like they got more like um, experimental with their animation style like it like was like, like more you're, stylized you're yeah. used to like kind of like somewhat of an outline around their characters and at that film they kind of just got away with they got rid of it completely yeah, and it was just all open thing. form kind of looking it was really and like you saw that very floaty look that kind of matched the style the gods and the goddesses had that little bit of a glow to them which was just really great yeah, uh, and the regular people just didn't, which was okay, but it was really cool because that's how when uh, when Hercules transitioned up to Olympus, then yes. you got to see him get his gloves. See, that had beautiful music too. Oh mm. my god! And it had it had an all star cast. It really, I'm looking through it, and I'm like, the amount of people they had, they got for Hercules to really? voice. Wasn't Meg BB Newworth? <clears throat> Meg, well, no, Susan Egan. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But so- Danny DeVito was Danny Phil. DeVito was Phil. Oh, yeah. James Woods was, was Hades. Hades. Yeah. Um, Rip Torn was, was Zeus. Zeus. Yeah. Bobcat Goldthwaite and Matt Frewer were Pain and Panic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god! I uh, Paul Schaefer was Hermes, mm-hmm. yeah. and he played a you know it was he even was, they even the, designed him to look like Paul Schaefer. Perfect Paul Schaefer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wayne, Wayne Knight. Where, Wayne the... Knight, that's Newman from Seinfeld. Everybody remem- yeah. remembers him as Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park. He had a bit part, okay. but he was he was in the in the market in the beginning as Demetrius, okay. mm-hmm. oh, who so basically, funny. you know, yelled at, at yelled at Hercules for destroying the entire, you know yeah. entire marketplace. And then Charlton Heston was narrator. Yeah. yeah. But so that is my absolute favorite Disney movie of all time, and yeah. I love that it's Aww. right there, like in the middle of where you know where we are right now. Sort yeah. of a sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny though too. Mulan was good too. Well, oh, yeah. Well, well, you think about it. Well, think about what we still have to think of for the Silver Age that we kind of deemed is we still have the creation of Pixar, which is Toy Story, Toy Story, oh my God. Finding Nemo, yeah. the original Cars film, Monster <laughs> Monsters Inc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But some of that's even more encroaching on like the sort of nowish era. Yeah, right. I was right. gonna say those. Were, I have a sweet spot like, in my heart for the Toy Story movies because my husband and I went to Toy Story on our very first date. Actually, that's one of so me and Kat's cute. very first dates was when they brought back Nightmare Before Christmas oh, in 3D. That's yes, so it was sweet. one of our very yeah, first dates. Love it. So, uh-huh. but yeah, it's kind of funny though because we're like I said, it's an odd point where like I was trying to find where you cut off that timeline. Like, is, is it? I mean, you could. I go think it kind of nailed it though. 
Yeah. I mean, CGI you is know, part of it, you... though, but, like, their CGI has changed so much from when Toy Story came out, because that was it 1996. Has. They made it in 1995, it was released in 1996. Yeah. So you think about it, because they were the real boom and start of all of that. Yeah. And now, yes, they're going to be doing, like, a Toy Story 4, and we're talking about now, like, The Incredibles 2 is going to finally happen and all these things. Oh but you think about how much time has passed from then to now. We are we're past s- 20 years. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, we're past 20 years, but we're still, like, Lilo and Stitch, 15 oh, years old. Like, it's 15 God. years old. That's yeah, that's why I said Princess of the Frog is kind of a really great yeah, point is, where this is where things point. really shifted. Because right around there is, like, when Brave came out and all these other oh, things. That and that's when, like, when we get into our next topic, which is probably going to be after break, because we still have to talk about <laughs> modern age. Um, but when we get into some of the messaging of it, Things really shifted when you hit Princess of the Frog and Brave. Because yeah. everything completely changed at that point. The way that they handled their messaging, everything. Because this is like, Silver Age is when Disney said, guys can like Disney too. That's kind of, yeah. I feel like, what well, one of the I'd things agree, that really because happened. Because they, they really, even with Aladdin, there was, there was a, not just a princess. There was, I mean, yes, Princess Jasmine, and she was a great character. But you also have Aladdin, and he, I mean, that was the one that... Little boys can really relate to. Yeah. He's and he's the know-nothing that it ends up becoming a prince by the end. Mm-hmm. I would say he was a know-nothing. He was a comes-from-nothing. Right. He's yeah. a, he he, a, he yeah. was a street rat. Yeah. It's <laughs> the street rat that ultimately becomes prince. So it's... Mm-hmm. it's This is when you're starting to see that message... The message shift happening, which is why I think that's kind of like... Silver Age is kind of the best way to put it is because you're starting to see it's all about yeah. the girls and the princess ideas yeah. and then just the basic family film. And then you're noticing the split message where we're trying to do stuff for girls and boys and in the same kind of stories. And you see a little bit of that like, oh, princess needs to get married and there's always that love story aspect in the Silver Age movies too. I mean, yeah. look at mm-hmm. Little Mermaid, look at Beauty and the Beast. Like there's definitely that like, okay, you get married, you get your prince at the end. Even Mulan, which is like all about, you know, yeah. the... That's sort of like feminine yes. power and like, you know, sort of rejecting everything that's feminine, embracing the masculinity of it and, you know, fighting for your family. But in the end, At the end they shoehorned it in. They were yeah, like, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. she still needs a love interest. Let's, Go let's in throw, there. Uh, let's throw that in. Yeah. In, in this time, Pixar, Pixar had two back-to-back great message movies. There was WALL-E, which basically yeah. warned about, you know, destroying our planet and, and actually, you know, becoming just more sedate than we already are. Mm-hmm. And then there's Up. Which, you know... Well, uh, Wally and Up, I think, are going to be in... That's, they're, that's, they're more modern age. Yeah. Because they're the back half. Like They are the back they're, half. Because they're, those are both less than 10 years. But less if we want to look at, yes. at movies, like some Pixar movies that really kind of did give a little bit of a message that was not necessarily like a love story. Finding Nemo, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And Cars. Because that was definitely like... Cars was, what, 2007? I actually still have never seen Cars because yeah. the subject matter never seemed interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm actually I hate to say it, but I still have never seen Up, and I know I'm gonna I get. Know, I've never either. seen Up either. Oh my god, oh. Up is so good! I definitely I I, I, I cried at the first up. twenty minutes. Of I up. fell off of Pixar actually shortly after I would say Wall-E. Okay, that's where I kind of stopped. I missed Cars, saw Wall-E, and honestly, I don't think I've seen anything from them since. Wall-E didn't necessarily oh, grab really me the first time around. Like it didn't. It didn't. There's parts of it where it just kind of it, it lulled a little bit. Yeah. But there's definitely there's a sweet aspect of Wally where he's just you know he's just kind of. Well, I, 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 I loved Wally. I, yeah. Especially the fact that like, I enjoyed it, but I don't know if I would rewatch it. 
I love. I, 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 I rewatched it many times because it was one of my kids' favorites. That's totally fine. <laughs> um, but I think it was I, what it was. But it was never when he was when he was people. When he was isolated by himself, mm-hmm. that was what I thought was this great character study because it was yeah. like thirty minutes of a movie with no talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was brilliant. It was recorded messages that were played back in the background, and that was it. But I love this little character that's obsessed with like old movie tins that he's finding that are stuff from like the 1920s and like the roaring 20s and some 30s films mm-hmm. and it was great to watch that um, it was so unique actually the movie that he's watching when you when he, you hear that like kind of like and like the like the music ramps up that is the uh, 1960s version of hello dolly mm. that he finds on a vhs tape that's awesome um i'm trying to think of some of the other things that he does uh, he collects the spork and you go and you he goes in his little like um Fallout shelter or whatever, and he has all his little collections. He has a little tin for forks. He has a little tin for spoons. He looks at this spork in his little like robot hand, and he's like, mm, in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Like Aww. some of the quirky things that he does, like the dingle hopper down. Yes, exactly, exactly. He doesn't well, brush his hair with it, like because we have to bring up. There is kind of a black mark in the Silver Age, and that is when um, I think it's Ed Asner kind of stepped down as running Disney. I forget who stepped in, but that person was very much like, we have all these great classics. Let's make directed DVD, directed VHS yeah. sequels of all oh of these God. movies. Yeah. So we had three Aladdin movies by the end of this. I haven't yep. seen a single. So we have The Return of Jafar and Robin Williams is like, peace, I'm not doing yeah. it. Yeah. Then they make a third one where he does come back and it was like... That was The Prince of Thieves or The... Prince like, of Thieves or yeah, yeah, something, it was something like, like that. that where it's like they're... The, the King of Thieves. I think it was yeah, King, it was of, King Thieves. of Thieves. Prince King. of Thieves is Robin Hood. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just sorry. realized that too. Um. Yeah, King of Thieves. I think they were trying to. There was some aspect of like it was before Aladdin and Jasmine's wedding or something, and he had to complete some task or something. Or his yeah. father comes back. I don't know. It, oh my gosh. Most of the sequels that were direct to VHS were pretty terrible. Yeah, we had. Um, I mean, even their like feature films were pretty terrible. Like Brother Bear. Who remembers Brother Bear? I know it exists. I don't don't remember it. But I will say there's two. There's one specifically I don't want to hear a knock about. What? Because Treasure Planet is really damn good. I'm not going to knock on Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet was good. Okay. Home on the Range? I don't even know what that is. Uh, And then, you know, there's in The Incredibles, that's sandwich in there. But that was Pixar. Yeah. Um, Atlantis. Atlantis was good. Pretty positive. That was a chicken little. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. So they had the, some. They had a stretch. The wild. I don't. I've never heard. like. There was nothing really that great. Like yeah, there was that like came out of Walt Disney at that time. It was always like Pixar or something else, some yeah. other studio. And that's why I said it's kind of like now. Like we, we can probably from here now go right into the modern age because then all of a sudden Princess and the Frog happens and everybody's like, wait a second. Aside from Pixar, which is a separate studio that Disney just bought. Disney just did something really good again. And everybody's head turned. It was the resurgence, mm-hmm. yeah. And everybody's like, it's good music. It's brand new music that's written. Everybody's singing it again. Yeah. And then overnight, Disney changed. Like, they completely became, like, you know, they were always a powerhouse. But it was a powerhouse in a way where, like, they owned They were trying again. Thought. Yeah. Like, they owned yeah. cultural thought about pop culture, everything. I mean, we they saw... Were- also included they're a lot more inclusive i mean even just looking at princess on the frog i mean you have a story about a young woman of color you know who's fighting her own battles and trying to make her own way 
And yeah, there's a love story aspect in it, but you also have the prince who secretly doesn't have any money. Yeah. And, you know, like, so yeah. There, there's, a, there's a couple different things that are going on in that. And I like that they, you know, they said it in New Orleans and they really gave it a New Orleans feel. Mm-hmm. Like they, awesome. they dug deep into that culture. And yeah. I even heard the music, really the music's got that great, because I still haven't seen it yet. And I feel yeah, like I need to before I we know. go away. Oh, you should. Yeah. Yeah. Because so everybody, heard, everybody said it has this great jazz feel and it's got that oh, New Orleans awesome. sound and style and flair and everything about it is really very mm-hmm. special. Yeah, yeah, I feel like all the movies that are like coming up now though, they're really making a very concerted effort to embrace diversity. Absolutely. And, you know, gender equality and a lot of really huge issues but also actually they're tackling a lot of really deep stuff too mm-hmm. well, like deeper and darker themes we'll hold on to that until after we get okay. into break when we start <laughs> going to that old idea of the, the more subversive messages from the more recent films so like the modern talk here well, I know we're gonna probably kind of keep it light before we go into break because it's more like these are the ones that are like this was just fucking fantastic like, these are the <laughs> ones that we love now um but I mean, we the reason I think this was so great to bring up is like Moana is their most recent release. And it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's so good. And everything oh about that movie gosh. was so unique and awesome and interesting. And when we actually talk about the submersive messages, uh, subversive messages, blah. Um, when we come back uh, from break, there's a lot there that I didn't realize. And then Jada unpacked when she got here, and she's like, <laughs> "Think about it this way." And we're like, "Oh, holy crap! That's kind of awesome." Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's really kind of special to see the things that they've been doing, though, because I think, as we mentioned, Brave, that was not a love story. My mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. a straight-up warrior and a person. It was a, it and wasn't, a family. And a family film. It was, it was all about, it was a daughter and mother dynamic film. Mm-hmm. I saw that in the movie theater with my mom and my daughter, and oh I my bawled God. my eyes yeah. out. Um, and also the music in that movie is stunning. Granted, it's not a musical. Merida and Queen Eleanor don't get up there and sing their hearts out and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But the music, when she's climbing up on that cliff face and dipping her hands in that water, I'm like, oh my god! That's like awesome. it just, it, I get chills just thinking about it. The music in that movie is beautiful. The story in that movie, where you know, it's really about. There's always, and you see it in the beginning where you know it's. Queen Eleanor, and she's playing with little baby Merida and all that red hair flopping around and she's adorable. And it's that that mother-daughter bond at that age, it's so easy. It's just, it's effortless. Like, yeah, they challenge you at that age, but it's it's beautiful. But then, you know, you see her as a teenager and you see that dynamic shift where it's the mother's like, oh, well, you're the princess. You have to be this, 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 and this. She's the anti-princess. You don't want to do any of that stuff. She yeah. wants to, as her father says at one point, she wants to ride free in the in, in, run frolicking through the woods with her hair blowing in the breeze firing arrows wherever she wants like that's that's what she wants <laughs> Who was to played be. like billy connelly wasn't yes it? yes yeah. billy connelly was amazing as the father um but you know it's she's the anti-princess she doesn't want anything to do with the arranged marriages she doesn't want anything to do with well that's what you want for me and that's the yeah. whole thing is like you know realizing that we can't always have what we want for our kids they need to be who they want to be and they need to find yeah. that on their own. And that's sort of also a recurring theme in uh, Moana as well. Yes, but, it is. Um, definitely. Yeah, finding your own path. But um, yeah. yeah, Brave is absolutely one of my absolute Bill, favorites. Bill, what is, out of the modern era, what is your absolute favorite Disney film? Wreck-It Ralph. Ooh, oh, I almost forgot about that, that one. I mean, as a gamer, it's close to my heart. <laughs> yeah. And also as a villain lover... <laughs> it shows like from the very beginning villains have feelings too Aww. 
And they hate getting beat by the good guys all the time. I think one of the most special sequences I ever saw in any animated film was the villain support group (laughs) in the beginning of that. And it's all the villains from video games. And it was like, even like odd random ones. It was like a zombie from the House of the Dead video game series. Sitting there holding his axes and then Zangief crying from Street Fighter. Also, not the first time they did a support group kind of theme because one of my favorite Pixar ones is uh, Finding Nemo. Where they have the sharks. Uh, yeah. And they're like, yeah. my name is Bruce. I am a nice shark, not a mindless eating machine. <laughs> and, you know, and it's that's really cute. They kind of show both sides of that. But yeah, spot on with that that's one. Awesome. I forgot about that one. It's super Wreck-It cool. Ralph yeah. was really great. Was yeah. And like, it's really funny good. too, because like, you know, John C. Riley was like, I, I like some of the things he do. Uh, he, he do. <laughs> things he do. Sorry, that is from uh, actually Invader Zim too. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, the things he does, like he does some really fun roles, but normally he's not somebody I gravitate towards, which is one of the things and reasons I was pushed away from cars because I am not the biggest fan of, uh, what's the dude, the get her done. Uh, oh, uh, Larry, the cable guy, Larry, the cable guy. So I was like, Nope, peace on out. <laughs> Honestly, I would say watch it for the story and watch it for the, like, you know, the sort of going back to the simpler time, the not the simpler time bygone era of Disney, but like, you know, they, they sort of revamp this town and yeah. that that's really the story is the story of Radiator Springs. I mean, he's... I heard it's basically Doc Hollywood though. Yeah. a Pixar movie. Yeah, a little bit. And you know what? It's sort of like, they, they kind of touch on that and, and yeah, Mater's like the comic relief. If you don't want to see a Mater heavy Cars movie, don't watch Cars 2. Like it's funny, but it's more focused on him than it is on anything else. And cool, it's hard past that. Yeah, hard <laughs> past that one. Like it has its moments, but if you don't want to watch, um, like if you if you don't want to watch something very heavily laden with Larry the Cable Guy. Cat, <laughs> what is your favorite modern Disney film? Um, actually, Moana. I really, so it's the um the adventuring spirit of it really just resonated with me. Very heavily. I adored it. I gotta say, for me, as much as I absolutely adore Moana, Tangled is what brought me back to Disney. Oh, Tangled! Oh, Tangled was uh, because I love the fact that the prince is not a prince. He is a swash, uh, swashbuckling Scoundrel. pirate, yep. scoundrel, <laughs> like Han Solo. Like, Flynn Rider is such a fun character. And I love... The speaking of like the flip on the villains is you go to the poisoned apple bar and it's all the villains and they're all their aspirations for I things. It was the Snuggly Duckling. It might be. I, I can't. I think it's yeah, Snuggly Duckling right. or something. Whatever it yeah. is. Poisoned apples from something else. I'm trying to remember what it's from and it's gonna. It's beyond me at this point. But the Snuggly Duckling, yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I loved all the little villains there. And it's like seeing the little personalities was so much fun. How they like to collect little miniature unicorns. And right. Stuff. Like the mime and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. It was so much fun. I loved all that stuff. What I loved about that one is that it was a great musical. And the music in that is kind of... It kind of got overwritten by, you know, Frozen when that came out. And Frozen's great. I, there are aspects yeah. of that movie that I absolutely love. But... When I when I first saw Tangled, I watched it and I was like, holy crap, I can't wait for the Broadway version of this. Yeah. Like, you watch that and you're like, oh, they could very easily turn this into a Broadway show. Like, mm-hmm. there are so many different, like, the, the, the songs are very... Yeah, that's, that was the movie that made me start paying attention again. And I then when Frozen came yeah. out and everybody was talking about Frozen at conventions, we're like, the music sounds really good, I want to check this out. And we were obsessed yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. And now, like, 
I'm sure I'll go back to it and watch it again sometime in the future, but I'm still like, if I hear any of those songs anymore, I might lose my mind. Yeah, I have a, a nine-year-old daughter. Trust me, Let It Go was played in my house more than I can ever even say. Mm-hmm. But there's something about that song. Like, every time I hear it, I get chills. And there are, yeah. there are a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> That's why I tried to do it a subtle tap. <laughs> a subtle tap. <laughs> yeah, so talking about all these movies, we've missed a couple standouts, actually. We missed a standout from the Silver Age. Huh? Emperor's New Groove. Ooh. Oh, yes! Oh, my God! That, that is that is our so jam. Rob hadn't seen that till a couple years ago, and that was one of the ones me and Joel used to watch over and over and over and over again. I have since watched that and movie about 30 times, yeah, and that was maybe in the last did. two years. Mm. So so that really that movie really brought Patrick Warburton to my mind. Oh my god, I like, know. Awesome. And I love his voice and the way he does things and his mannerisms, and I always look forward when I go to Disney to ride Soren because he does the pre-flight checks video. Yes, he does! <laughs> And he's like, you know, remove all hats, glasses, and things like that. Even those beauties. And he tells a guy to take off the Mickey ears. <laughs> um, but another one, and actually this, this is one of the, the modern era ones, because they finally got something right when talking about an animating animals. Zootopia. <gasps> yes! Where, as a rabbit, their ears are up on the top of their heads and not on the sides of their heads. <laughs> Well, it's kind of funny, though. It, it's Because you bring up Zootopia, i got to bring it up because you joked about it earlier in the Golden Era, uh, golden Age era of, you were mentioning, like, Robin Hood, Robin and, Hood and, like, furries. The funny thing is, though, when they were actually bringing Zootopia out, they actually went out to the furry community and said, Disney's for everybody, including you guys. We want you to be aware of this. We're not looking the other way. That's and we cool. know this is something you may really love. And they brought and had a whole bunch of people go see the movie for free that were in that community. That's and they fantastic. gave praise to that. That's really There's cute. something really awesome about this era of Disney. They're like, so inclusive. Yeah, it's really nice. So, and, and it makes you wonder how long we have to wait until we see, like, a trans character. We're getting a gay character in Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, the live action version. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it makes you wonder, really, because they're showing everything's fair game and they're open. Because Disney, ultimately, let's be honest, they're like, who can we market this to and make billions of dollars everyone but you know at the same time though they're not being vicious to those people and they're just making them feel part of the crowd yeah so which is perfect mad props to them even for for, you know going in that route because I think it's really awesome because Zootopia straight up was an amazing movie a lot of great messages Mm -hmm. and really fun music yeah so I think with that, let's take a quick break. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk about, speaking of which, More the Disney. subversive messages. And we're going to make this an entire Disney show because Yay! we still have five more talking points that we want to hit. And then the rest of the stuff we're not going to touch on, you'll hear in the actual March episode. So Disnerving. So we'll be back in just a few it's always been this glam I was a drab little crab once And now I know I can be happy as a clown Because I'm beautiful, baby And did you grace Listen to your heart Because you are on the inside And if you push it to her argument apart You really lie I'd rather be shiny Like a treasure from a sunken private wreck Scrub the deck and make it look shiny I will sparkle like a wealthy woman's neck 
Disney, like I said, we still have quite a bit more we need to unpack, and I don't know if we're even going to get to all of it tonight, um, <laughs> which was not, I think, the way that any of us thought this was going to go when we started this, but um, it's been really kind of fun. Totally fine with the outcome. And uh, I think this could be potentially the way that Caffeine Crew could change in the future. We'll still probably do another classic, more style episode for the later episode this month in March, um, but uh, probably going forward when we have a little bit more time to plan this could be kind of the way we move forward because uh, it's proving it's to be fun. fun. Yeah. Um, so with Disney, one of the things that we really have been enjoying so much, especially from the Silver Na- uh, Silver, uh, blah, blah, blah. I can't talk tonight. I believe I've been doing this on the phone all day too at work. Thing. So, mm-hmm. um, so between the Silver Age and the Modern Age, uh, the subversive messages that we have seen in a lot of these films, um, where we talked about the Golden Age, kind of really being very cookie cutter. As Kat put it, the too stupid to live kind of category, where it's the, it's very much uh, the Mary uh, Mary Sue's kind of character types yeah. and the archety- uh, archetypes. When you know Jada brought up like characters being modeled after characters from the twenties, and it's very much that mindset, and that's kind of stuck with them up until they hit right around the eighties. Um, things really shifted pretty heavily. Like I said, we talked about Aladdin uh, in the front half, where we were saying we're now appealing to both boys and girls. But it's still the same kind of messages. We haven't really shifted much beyond that. So what they, were some they of the... They kind of touch on that they a little touch bit on in the bit. Silver Age. Like, you have characters like uh, Jasmine who, you know, I'm not a prize to be won. You have Ariel who wants to be a bright young woman ready to stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the... Oh, oh, of course, then there's also Belle, who's an educated woman who was possibly the most terrifying thing <laughs> to the provincial town that she lived in. A woman who read, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you have... There's, they had... They, they slipped it in there, but it really didn't ramp up until their modern era, I would say. I would agree with you on that. Yeah. So, what do we think their most important films are as far as messaging are concerned? Does anybody want to dive in first? I'll start, um, because I've got two that I think are, you know, they're important messages. They're not necessarily quite as groundbreaking or as, I don't want to say mainstream shocking, uh, you know, yeah. as some of the other films that I think we're going to talk about. Uh, but Wally was the first one for me, yeah. and it really talked about you know environmentalism and you know conservation you know past what we had seen before. And now it wasn't a Disney movie, but with Fern Gully, yeah, um, yeah, Fern Gully. But, and then it, you know, <laughs> besides for that, it also showed us what we're becoming. We're becoming a society that sits in front of the TV and the movie screen and eating our large popcorn and drinking our big gulps. And except to us, Centennial Cupcake in a Cup. Yes, <laughs> and shows that we, you know, we, we need to get out of our chairs and and move around and, and start taking notice of, of where we live. Um, and the the other one that I think was really, you know, again, I, I mentioned this one as the one that we almost missed um, because it was really heavily involved with video games was Wreck-It Ralph. And that really told you that you don't have to be the character that you're written to be. You don't have to be what everybody expects of you. You know, even though you're you're the villain, you can come around and you can turn a new leaf and save the day. Or if you're the the stand-up hero who wants to fix every problem that he runs in front of, you don't have to fix everything. Some things aren't meant to be fixed. Some things need to be left the way they are and because people are going to be, you know, the people are going to be inherently broken every now and then. 
Mm-hmm. And people have to be broken, have to live that suffering in order to to realize that, you know, they're... Yes. <laughs> Words. I'm lost. I'm done. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, Rick and Ralph, I, I think, was a great movie. Again, you know, not just for the video game aspect, but all the, the characterization they had in it, too. You basically accept your flaws, but people are also allowed to have them. Right. So... Actually, I have some from not the modern, but from the time before that. Um, Beauty and the Beast is, like, a super loaded one. And I was thinking about it, and the more, like, I was starting to dive deeper into it. Because, like, on the surface level, I know there's always been the criticism that it's like, oh, it's like Stockholm Syndrome, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And, like, he's, you know, it's, she's trying to change abusive relationship, blah, blah, blah. But, like, honestly, if you think about it, actually... The Beast is a really good um, emblem of living with, like, mental illness or, like, bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. where you have this beast inside of you. You cannot control it. And, like, Belle is dealing with it with him rather than rejecting him and just... And that is the biggest thing with Beauty and the Beast that I love is the embrace of the weird. As Mrs. Potts says, she's learned to see all past all that. Yes, exactly. And I mean, like, that's one of the biggest things with that movie because, like, Belle is spurned by, like, Gaston. You know, the Beast is spurned by Gaston. Like, he... But Gaston is supposed to be, like, the normal average guy. He's the uh, ideal. He's... He is the one that everybody wants. And, you know, oh, she's crazy to reject him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he turns out to be the monster in the whole story. Exactly. And it's the um, it's the outcasts that actually you rally behind in that movie so strongly. And I really liked that message in it that I think kind of gets overshadowed by, like, you know, it's easy to grasp onto the superficial elements of it, but I think it had a much deeper thing to state. I think especially when you talk about this in the context of the times, because... Geek culture really wasn't geek culture yet. Yeah. And that it's is 92. Just, it's 92. So, hey, you know, we don't really cross that barrier until early 2000s somewhat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even still then was a little dicey. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that whole idea of the misfits save the day and reject the popular crowd. Yeah. It was very outside of the norm. So, yeah, I can mm-hmm. definitely see that. There's also a lot of political aspects of it now. Like, you look back in the current yes. political climate where, you know, if you're not with us, you're against us. Yeah, that's And, you know, true. all of a sudden everybody's carrying torches towards somebody who just wants to live and be live and let live. Yeah. And that in and of itself is a very subversive like, message. Because, like, the Beast wasn't hurting anyone. No. At all. It's not like he was rushing the town and, like, destroying the town or anything. It's just he was different and everyone decided to band against him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Because he, he looked scary. Yeah. You know, yeah. And how much do we see that today with, you know... Uh, the fear-mongering and the hate-mongering yeah. towards people who look different who maybe want to just use bathrooms. Exactly. You know, so yeah. there, there's a lot of underlying themes from that that, that really are still very true. prevalent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 25 years later. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, outside of Beauty and the Beast, do you have another one? Uh, Mulan was a big one because it is a really clear highlight of the problems with the patriarchal society. I mean, Mulan made it really, really evident and just put it in your face. Like, the fact that he has an able-bodied child who can fight in his stead and he's rejecting it sheerly because of her gender. And she steps in, does everything the guys can do and saves the day. Like, and yet they're still willing, like they're still ready to rob her of that because of her gender. That is a clear in your face, like, Hey, this is a problem. You know, and I thought that was like for yeah, at that time, there really wasn't as many examples of like strong women in um, 
like movies and stuff like that and characters like that. They were just starting to kind of ramp up with that, but she was really starting. She was a push. Like she was one of the big ones that like women could band behind and be like, Oh cool. You know, you actually could relate to her a little bit more. How about you, Jade? Um, I'm going to kind of piggyback onto what Kat was saying with the sort of, what I love about Disney in the modern era, and this is coming from, you know, my, I told you before, Cinderella is probably my least favorite of any of the female characters, is the kind of evolution of the anti-princess. Um, you have the characters, you, I mean, you go from characters like Mulan, who's not really a princess. She sort of gets kind of put in that pantheon, but she's not really a princess. She really kind of spearheaded that, like, okay, let's move into something that's, you know, not a love story. So you have characters like Anna and Elsa who, you know, they're all about restoring the family bond. And yeah, so Anna's kind of impatient and, you know, thinks she falls in love with the first guy she sees. But in the end, it's not really a love story about her. It's about her and Hans or her and Kristoff. It's her and her sister. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's building that family bond and really supporting each other as women. Um through difficult societies. And then there's also in Frozen, there's a little bit, another subversive message in that if you really listen to the lyrics of Let It Go and some of what she's going for, you talk about mental illness and people dealing with that kind of pressure. It's also can be used as a metaphor for people living um, closeted lives. Mm-hmm. So people who are gay or LBGTQ and who haven't come out yet, yeah. we're really trying to like, you know, you know, don't let them in, don't let them see you know, and then at the end, she's like, I'm going to be out here and I'm going to be this fabulous ice goddess and you're all going to worship me and love me. And I don't care if you don't, I'll stay up here on my mountain. Um, along with that, you also have brave, um, you have Merida. So she's, again, she's the anti-princess. She rejects all of the things that her mother wants her to be. Um, and wants to be her own person, wants to be her own free spirit, you know, traipsing through the woods shooting arrows and the end she sort of realizes some of the teachings that her mother has really given her and she realizes the importance of that but they come to a compromise and yeah. that it when they actually stitch the quilt and i don't want to give away anything else but because you said you haven't seen I haven't it yet seen okay it yet. there there's a part at the end that just it, it's it's all about mending that bond and really you know That's kind of really forgiving cool. each other and understanding that mother-daughter dichotomy which as a daughter, as a mom to a daughter who's quickly approaching those teenage years, it's uh, <laughs> kind of a lesson. Um, another one that I absolutely love right now, and it's the newest one, is Moana. Oh my god! Um, yeah. The adventurous spirit, and there's so much in Moana that I can I can go on for about hours, and hours <laughs> about how awesome this movie is. I think you and Cat could, and then Bill's gonna be like, I haven't seen it yet. Um, but you know, the fact that they talk about her and in the, in the song, I am Moana, she says, I'm the daughter of the village cheek. We are descended from voyagers. She's talking about herself. She's not talking about her brothers. Yeah. There's no mention. There are no other siblings in, in Moana's family. She's not talking about, oh, they say you will become the chief. And she said, I will learn to lead with pride. Yeah. She is going to be the leader of her people. Which not her brothers, so not nice her cousin. Absolutely. Um, some other kind of subversive themes in Moana that I kind of... I watched it for a second time and um, having some close friends and some people in my life who've overcome issues with abuse, you see that when they're talking about Maui and they show his tattoos and she points to one on his back where it's a picture of two people tossing a smaller person into the sea. That's him dealing with the abandonment. His parents didn't want him. He was nothing to them. And he says it over and over again. I am nothing. And he believes he is nothing without his fish hook. Mm-hmm. He is overcoming their rejection. He is learning to heal and learning that he is not, he is more than just the sum of his parts. Yeah. Um, and then you also have 
I, I, again, I'm sorry. Uh, spoiler alert. I'm, I'm going to say spoiler alert. I'm always fine with spoilers. Okay. Actually, I can say this. You'll never have to say spoiler alert unless the movie is less than two weeks old on the show. Fine. It's definitely not less than two weeks old. So, you know, she's talking. She Her whole quest is that she is to restore the heart of Tafiti, which was stolen by Maui. And Tafiti is the one of the island goddesses and she brings life. But she has, she's been silenced. She's been subdued. And now there is only, um, who's the, the, um... The lava uh, god. It's the, the lava, lava goddess that we, we you see in the movie. Yeah. I can't remember the name. I can't remember her name me. either. But all she is is pain and hurt and anguish and just she's so angry. And it shows how being robbed of something like that can yes. turn and you she, into a different person. She's exactly. the embodiment of a Carrie Underwood song. So. Well, very much so. <laughs> I know what she's, but more than that, in the song where it's it's, I mean, it's everywhere, but in the song where she says, you know, they've stolen the heart that's inside of you, but that does not define you. You know who you are. And that is all about overcoming abuse. If you look at it yeah, from one way or, totally or one way that. or another, you know, somebody has stolen, in this case, it was Maui that stole something from her. They stole the heart that was inside of her, but that's not defining her. You are not what happened to you. It's not your fault. Mm-hmm. These are all elements of healing. These are all things that are very therapeutic when you're looking at overcoming an abusive situation. Yeah. No matter what type of abuse it is or what, what you may have suffered, it doesn't define you. It's funny. It's even just when you said those lines, I'm like, yep, that was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, again, that's why I love that. I yeah, I mean, that was the reason that we went and sought out to watch Moana was because of him. And like when we watched it, we're like, Music in this is gorgeous. And then you're like... It's Lin-Manuel Miranda. Of course it is. And then you're like, this story is fucking... It's equally as gorgeous. And you're like, this is fantastic. The story, the animation, everything. everything. I think for me, um, I have two. And one of them kind of butts up with uh, Moana a little bit as far as that idea of abandonment. And for me, the one that I thought of immediately was Toy Story. Mm -hmm. And Toy Story, when you initially look at it, you think... It was the first real big CG animated film, yeah. and that shocks everybody. And you're like, oh my god, this was so awesome. And you kind of forget there actually is a message in there. And it's Woody feeling abandoned because of something new and better is coming in, in to replace him. So it's that idea of, you could view this as siblings. If you are a, you know, a middle child or yeah. you know the older child and a new child's coming in, it's that idea of, I'm not going to be important to my parents anymore. Or it's this idea of... Well, when there's something better, like maybe like you're in a friend group and you're feeling like I've been around forever and somebody came in that's, you know, loud and they're fun and everybody wants to gravitate towards them. You feel like your purpose now has been pushed away Mm -hmm. yeah, because everybody is focused on that. But it's reminding you that everybody has their own purpose as well. Like it's really kind of a really fun message because it's showing that even though you can butt heads with people and may not see eye to eye, there always is common ground that you can find. And especially when we're talking about politics now a little bit more, that's constantly in everybody's tongue. You see it everywhere through geek culture right now. Because most people share very similar viewpoints as the people at this table. Um, and especially the younger generation you're seeing. So it's that idea that you can still find common ground on all things in life. And even if there's things that do divide you, don't forget there's little things that still connect you. So it's, you don't have to be pushed aside, but the people that you feel like that could be doing that to you, you can still find clear cut pathways to have a connection with them. So you could end up, end up finding a soulmate, a best friend, uh, a family member that you thought you had no connection to all those little things you can really easily see from the message you get from a movie from, you know, the mid nineties that you don't think should have a message. And you're just like, wow. 
computer graphics and everything is fun and it's a great way to buy toys and sell toys to kids. But <laughs> really, really kind of fun and awesome when you kind of look at it and break it down. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the even funny thing is too with Toy Story, like you look at it, even Buzz at one point felt discarded and forgotten. Mm-hmm. So it's just remember, it's not just you, but sometimes that person that you think has everything you want sometimes has less than you do. Mm-hmm. So another common point to look at. Um, the other one for me I have to really bring up because I absolutely adore this film is Zootopia. I've probably watched this 15, 20 times. And Deservedly so. Yes. Um, but that's kind of goes a little bit back to what some of the points that Bill was saying with Wreck-It Ralph. It's your stations in life. Like you can have wild aspirations and be whatever the hell you want to be. Um, and I think that's one of the things that you're seeing commonly through all of these discussions of the films we talked about is you do not have to be happy with your station in life. And if you want bigger and brighter things for yourself, fight for it and do it. You know, you may have the hardest hell of the time to achieve those things, but if you want it bad enough, you can still go and accomplish dreams. I mean, that is something really beautiful and special about Zootopia, is it's that idea that's there, and then even if people think negatively of you, that you can still be a subversive on that idea as well and turn their opinions around. Like you look at Nick Wilde's character and everybody's like, foxes are dumb. Everybody hates foxes. You can't trust foxes. And when you see his story really play out when he's a kid, you realize why he falls into the trap he does. Like one of the things we're watching really heavily right now is Shameless. Uh, And Shameless is really beautiful to watch right now, especially because it's that whole idea of kind of gentrification really heavily, but it's also you're watching characters that are been given the like worst raw end of the spectrum. And it's watching them trying to break what people expect of them. When they say, hey, we're Southside kids. This is what everybody well, thinks of us. it's that idea of trying to break out of a poor, you know, like, if you are impoverished and you start out that way, trying to break out is incredibly difficult. And actually, Aladdin, uh, going all the way back to Aladdin, it's, I, I mean, you saw he that. had to, he had to fake it. He had to find a genie. He had to win the freaking lottery, pretty much to break out of that lifestyle that Mm -hmm. he lived just like stealing to survive you know like Mm -hmm. i mean they've been gotta gotta eat to live gotta steal to eat exactly (laughs) sorry you're all my only friend oh damn it i just don't want to watch the movie i was gonna say we should just end this one with a disney sing-along i mean oh god we could get me to volunteer um, but yeah, but no, Zootopia, though, I think is one of those ones, if you haven't given it a chance, I, I really think it's one of their most special films they've done in a very long time. And especially when people actively don't believe in you, is when you're trying to go for your diversity, dreams, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's that whole idea of, like, you know, that diversity, when you are believing in yourself, but nobody else does, and they're constantly telling you, you will never achieve this dream. Mm-hmm. Being able to stay alive in that kind of adversity is really impressive. So when you see it with Judy Hobson's character, and then you watch Nick's story kind of inter- intertwined to it. It's really just kind of amazing to watch their stories play out. So another thing from Zootopia, mm-hmm. and and this is starting to get actually this is what would probably be a really heavy political point is <laughs> the mayor's aide, the sheep, yeah, is trying to make you know you know demonize a group of people in society just for who they are, yeah. And there's no better, you know, you know, kind of whatever, uh, you know, parallel metaphor. to metaphor, parallel to our society today yeah. where the exact same thing is happening. What is really funny, too, that I love the fact that they used a sheep. It's mm-hmm. that wolf in sheep's clothing, clothing idea. Yep. And what she's doing, she's turning predators against prey. 
And it's actually... By turning into a predator herself, and she is, in fact, prey. Mm -hmm. So it's really kind of amazing when you watch Zootopia and you see all these things actively happening. Like, that's impressive. Because they really thought that idea out. They built that message in so tightly that, I mean, it's just, it's woven seamlessly into the fabric of the story, but then you watch it and you're like... When the twist happens and you're like, like, I'm like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the sheep is constantly giving the message to Judy, us little guys have to stick together. So Judy buys into her message constantly and not realizing And counts on her support. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, this is not somebody you should have supported. Mm-hmm. The person you should have supported is the person that everybody's pointing fingers at and saying, you can't trust that guy. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Zootopia, gotta say, as far as messaging for Disney recently between that and Moana, easily two of the best things they've ever Absolutely. done. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's um, nice seeing them focus more on, um, rather than just a romantic relationship... They're now broadening it to all I love relationships. That. I absolutely love that they've yeah. kind of abandoned. Not I want. I don't want to say abandoned because they, yeah. they still, I'm sure, are going to have love story aspects in some of their, sure. you know, newer movies. But I love that if you look at the past ten years, even Frozen, yeah, no real love story. I mean, there there's sort of like a side angle aspect, but it's but not there's the they don't and there's no happy marriage of right. you know Queen Elsa at the end. Um, brave. There's no. She doesn't get married at the end of it. There's yeah. no. There's no love story aspect. Zootopia. There's no. There's no love. Mm-hmm. Sp- love story aspect at the end of that. Moana. There's yep. no love story aspect to that. No. Um, it's all about healing. It's all about personal relationships that have nothing to do with romance. Yeah. And again, that sort of feeds into like the whole like sort of anti princess thing. Yeah. And I love that Moana. Moana actually even says she's like, I'm not a princess. And they're like, you sing and you have an animal sidekick. It's like, you're a princess. And she's like, I'm not Not a princess. princess. Yeah, she rejects it. So, you know, they even have, you know, they're kind of playing on their own words a little bit. And they even do that in Frozen. when She's like, you can't fall in love with a man you just met. Or you can't marry a guy you just met. Like, they they kind of poke fun at the uh, Cinderella's and Snow White's. And the old tropes that they used to... They're actually paying attention to the messages they used to do. And they're doing everything they can to push them away Mm -hmm. from that idea. Yeah, which is really good to see. So, on to the next topic of this is... The idea of what's to come a little bit with uh, with Disney. <laughs> yeah. And that's the idea of, you know, what classic stories exist out there that we feel that Disney should find a way to make Ooh. now. Mm. Because I think there's one that comes to mind immediately. Uh, and then, like, we kind of have to break that down a little bit. But when I watched Moana and I was looking at Maui's tattoos and all these little things and there's imagery. And then I think about some of the other things they've done, like Hercules. I would kill to see them do the Iliad and the Odyssey. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, because can't you imagine how amazing so it would be to see? Because, I mean, yes, they have ta- tackled Greek mythology, but can you imagine if they covered it on that facets. scale? Like, they haven't really dealt with Because that idea that of man and what they're up against and the things that you could pull from mm-hmm. that and the messages you yeah. could mix into that could be so damn unique. That would be really And, I mean, cool. I would say, too, I mean, I'm actually kind of on board now. Like, and I have my other ideas is... You know, should this be, you know, a musical or not, classic animation or CG? You know what? Yeah. I will say at this point, Disney, their CG, I actually, they're one of the few CGs that I actually really love because they put so much love and care and they look like they used to when they were drawn. Absolutely. Everything about it still has that style and visual flair and look. Well, they do their homework. And they, they do. They absolutely do. They, they do their homework. They really research. What did the, you know, the, the, the tribal tattoos look like of the Polynesian people. How did they accomplish that? What did they look like when they were on their skin up close? Mm-hmm. You know, what does... looks so good. Oh, gosh. I, I don't yeah. even know where I'm going with And that. then the other idea is, <laughs> should this be a musical? Should it not be? 
Yes. A musical version of the Iliad I mean, and the Odyssey. Yeah. In CG, do it. And then I said, who should be the lead voice actor or actress if we have one in mind? And honestly, I would say I would take... Um, I would probably look at, like, voice... Traditional, like, voice actors. Like, the people that you're seeing that, like, you hear their voice a thousand and one places. Yeah. Uh, and you always forget who these people are. If you saw a picture of them, you'd be like, I have no idea who that is. Mm-hmm. I think I would actually pull somebody like, you know... James Arnold Taylor, who has done a thousand and one voices, like he is Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank. He's Obi Wan from the Clone Wars from Star Wars. The guy has his gorgeous voice and can do a thousand and one things. Yeah. And I would love to see somebody like him, and then his peers around him be the cast of this, and go back to those un- those people that you're not like. Here's your big A list Hollywood celebrity. Yeah. That's front running it because, like, aside from The Rock in Moana, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody knew who anybody else was. Yeah, precious few people cool. actually even knew who Lin Manuel Miranda was, aside right. from like That's people true. who were like Broadway. Yeah. But I would nuts. love for yeah. it to go back to that point. If they have that sidekick character, yeah, cast your big name so people know that person's attached to it for mm-hmm. marketing or whatever. But I would love to see them either cast unknowns or look at the pool of the really talented voice actors that have worked with Disney products before yeah. or anything else because I think it could be really something special. That would be. I think I have one. Um, does anyone is anyone familiar with the story of Bluebeard? Yes. <laughs> so Bluebeard is like a really, really twisted fairy tale. It's an older one. Um, I mean, they would have to Disneyfy it because like the fairy tale as it stands is not really suitable for kids. But like pretty much um, this younger girl ends up getting married off to this guy who has been killing his wives and keeping them in a closet. And like she's told she like she has no idea. And she's always told to not go in the one room, not go in the one room. But like and then eventually he leaves and she goes in the room and finds all of the dead wives and is like, I need to escape out of here. And actually her brothers come and save her. Um, but with the way they're changing things so much, you could do a lot with Story family about ties and story about abuse. a family. Yes. Mm-hmm. Stories about abuse, stories about um, family coming together to unite um, and kind of help her through all that. And like again, it would be again. It's it's that it's it is really dark. So you would have to try to find some ways to work around some of that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what a friggin' awesome villain! I mean, like at one point in the story, like he he comes back and he's like she locks herself in the room and that her brother saved her from up there because like he's trying to break down the door to get her. Like it was a really really creepy story, and I think it would be a gorgeous movie. I mean, that's like even really something you can just do. Is like, why does this ha- has this man had a hundred wives, <laughs> and no one ever hears from them, or you mm-hmm. somebody finds one of them, and it's somebody that got away, and it's so. I think the idea of being able to Disney finding a way to do a survivor story or really cool. anything like that that you can kind yeah. of look at connect a lot of those points could be really powerful. I'd love to see Robin Hood again. <laughs> Honestly, like, I'd love to Robin see Hood. see different. You know, because there's. I don't know if there's a lot of Robin Hood stories out there. There are plenty. <laughs> but, you know, they could do something, you know, out of the norm of what people know of Robin Hood and Maine Marriott and the Sheriff of Nottingham, things like that. And yes, of course, it would have to be a musical. Um, I think it would be a great mix of classic animation and CGI. They could get back to that nice, happy medium between the two. 
Just so you're thinking, like, right now, like, Aladdin, Lion King. Yep. That mix. What that about mix? gender swapping it? Sure. <laughs> that, that'd be fine. <laughs> although, although, the lead voice actors. Okay. I'm going to go very typical here. I would want Benedict Cumberbatch and Tom Hiddleston. Is <laughs> that your dream cast? Of course. Of course. Aren't they everyone's dream cast? What? Yep. <laughs> That's it. That's all I, I mean, got. They could be. It could be Dude Marion. Could be Tom Hiddleston. Could be. That, oh my goodness. That would be so nice. Yeah. Right. Um, actually, well, I have one of two. So I would love to see them really embrace, like you just said. Um, I, that's just kind of dinged something in my head. I would love to see them embrace, just like sort of maybe even a love story between two characters of the same gender identity. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of embracing that aspect of it, or uh, you know, I think we were talking before we started about them kind of having a trans character coming into their own story and realizing that they're mm-hmm. not this person. They're sort of trapped in the shell of this person, but, you know, now they get to emerge as this new person of who they really believe that they are and they know that this is their true self. Mm-hmm. I would love to see something like that um, sort of embracing the idea of, you know, embracing trans people as people and who they are as them as their own selves. Another, if we're going to go with like sort of like a traditional mythology kind of thing or a cultural aspect, I would love to see them um, do something from um, Islamic history. Because I think, you know, in this day and age, there's so much fear and so much sort of, you know, people want to push that away. But, um, you know, mainstream America right now, there's a lot of Islamophobia, and I would love to see Disney embrace that, maybe have characters in traditional Islamic dress. And I'm not talking about Aladdin, because that was, you know, before... Mm-hmm. People were a little bit more culturally aware, I think. Um, so I, don't, much, I don't know. I think Aladdin's story sort of takes place before, you know, Islamic... Before that, before the reli- they, they don't really embrace a lot of the religious aspect of it. I mm-hmm. think they mentioned Allah at one point. He says, "Allah forbid you, you have any daughters." To Jasmine, that's the only. Well, time Well, you they could really actually connect it. your two, and mm-hmm. you could do a Robin Hood story that takes place during the Crusades. Yeah, Princess of Thieves. There you go. But I mean, I would love to see them sort of embrace that and kind of bring a real human aspect to that mm-hmm. because you know we have so many people who are you know terrified of that culture and that religion right now in America and I would love to see really Disney kind of embrace that and bring a more human aspect and say these are these are people some of them you know people in Syria are suffering right now these are human beings that have lives and emotions and you know maybe you're misunderstanding them and you're not taking them you're just taking this at like a face value of x person that you see and you're not realizing there's a whole culture of people that you know are had their own ideas and own ways of practicing this religion and being in this culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, another yeah. one that I would like to see would be maybe something involving um, sort of the tales and uh, religious aspects of Hinduism. I think that, that would be, be a really be cool. interesting. Oh you talk God. about having a pantheon of gods to pull they from. Hello. So um, many cool. And that one would definitely have to be CG because yeah. that Actually, would be incredible. I would love incredible. to see um, some of the Japanese mythology is really really fascinating that and they norse really as well unique, um, oh norse that's so true. Really fun yeah too. that's that's like, always they so have forgotten so many fairy tales they can still tap but mm-hmm. like we don't have to stick to the european ones we can broaden out you yeah know, like there are so many different we have this whole wonderful that, globe yeah. to pull from why not although i seriously now want to write like islam princess of thieves do it 
He's so good. <laughs> Do it. You're doing your Arthurian story right now. That's a space opera. It's so my first that could be song. after that. It's actually, I'm, yeah, I'm working on an Arthurian space opera, and the um, Arthur and Merlin are. Lovers. Love, yeah. It's I YA. Love it. it's, yeah. It's, yes. it's my first one. And Excalibur is the ship. I know. Ooh, nice. Fun. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> so, super cool. Um, you know, one of the other things I guess got to bring up too, because we, we missed this in subversive messages and it was this quick joke that I wanted to bring up because we, I thought it was amusing. Uh, so other messages from Disney stuff that we did miss is the Incredibles, uh, no capes and then Pirates of the Caribbean. Johnny Depp is always sexy and pirates are always cool. That's so. Pirates are always um, pirates. So continuing a little bit more with Disney stuff here is, uh, is, you know, is there a Disney sequel you guys would kill to see that they never made? That would star the original cast, the original music writers, or would you prefer them be left alone? Because they have done sequels in the past, especially on the Pixar side, uh, and then uh, the animated side, which we've already deemed the majority of them are trash with the exception of Rescuers Down Under. Oh, that's true. Rescuers Down Under was great. Yeah. Um, So, is there anyone specifically people would want to see? Hercules 2 The Legendary Journeys. (laughs) Well, forever. Kevin Sorbo takes over the role. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Forever. Mine was was always The Incredibles, but now that one's actually coming into being. Um, I kind of would love to see a sequel to Brave and see where they go, you know, Brave, you know, The Adventures of Princess Merida. The next five years or the next ten years, you know, they show her at fifteen. I want to see her at twenty-five or thirty. That'd be fun. You know, see if she actually does. You know, she becomes the warrior queen, and you know, maybe gets married. Who knows? But you know, to the person that she chooses, and then she's the queen, and they're her. You know, they're they're her. You know, prince or her king. But you know, she's the one ruling the roost and ruling the land. So I would love to see. I would love to see a brave too. Okay. Um, I don't really think I have any that I want. Like, because most of the Disney movies, like, that I really love are such well-contained stories that I don't, I, I like having the complete arc. And if you add it onto the arc, it would just feel tacked on. Because, like, like, Moana is such a perfect, like, I don't, I don't need to see it because they ended it so well. Because everything, like, the entire story was tied in all together from the very beginning to the very ending. And it was, like beautifully done and when you have like movies like that that are so wonderfully done and that are so cyclical why break this circle yeah i think for me uh the brave little toaster i think he needs to go to mars wait never mind they've already done that um actually for me i think i would love to see them go back to nightmare and i would love to see the nightmare before easter because they hinted at it when they accidentally kidnapped the easter bunny i think it would be fun if they decided to go start tackling other holidays no tangled too they have, uh, apparently, don't they have an animated series that's they, just about to start? Um, they're going to be starting an anime series, and they've done a couple, like, little short vignettes, mm-hmm. which are adorable. So, those, those, are ones, those ones are fun. Um, but no, I actually, I would love to see them go back to, to playing with stop motion again, because I don't think we've really seen anybody really mess with that since, uh, I think the last big movie was uh, Book of Life, uh, which was Puppets. Oh, uh, that's true. And Coraline. then Coraline. Um, and then Paranorman, mm-hmm. uh, which was <laughs> meh. Yeah. I, I um, honestly didn't see it. It wasn't very good. <laughs> now, I, I I just would love to see Disney put their foot back in that door and play around a little bit. And uh, I think there's a, there's a world there that they showed us could exist that they haven't played with yet. And even in video games, they haven't even done that yet. So we'd love to see them play with that idea and concept of what they could do with another holiday. I could throw in another one. The sure. Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. Play Miz. <laughs> 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 
those. They actually made a hunchback, hunchback too, so it would have to be Hunchback Three. Oh, <laughs> oh Hunchback of Notre Dame. I still have yet not seen that, so yeah, well, you don't um, need to. Honestly, it, it was sort of the decline of the Silver Age because I feel like they were really reaching with that one. It had yeah. some great aspects, like it, it had some, some, had some touching aspects of the story. Some of the music was good, but it's like okay, let's take this really depressing story, like really, really depressing story. No matter how many times we try and Disneyfy it, it's still yeah. Really depressing. depressing. <laughs> there are certain ones. You, well, okay, so Bluebeard has a chance. I mean, if Hunchback hey, is a filter, you know, we can happy ending this. It's All good. Right, she, so gets, she escapes him. So. We have la- two last final points on Disney before we close out our episode. Ooh. So this is a really tough one. Mm. Actually, the next two are both really tough, and I think that's why we're ending the way oh, that we God, are. Yeah. yeah. So who is the best Disney villain? Hmm. I've been going first this whole time. Somebody right. else take the reins. Off the top of my head, I'm gonna, go with... Uh, what's it? Oh, you got one? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm off the top of my head, Scar. I was about to say Scar. Scar he was probably... Mufasa. He killed his brother. He killed him. Mufasa, and when you Mufasa, see Mufasa, Simba's Mufasa. like little face when his <laughs> dad <laughs> dies, like, it was Breaks your freaking heart. horrifying when you're a kid watching that and you're like, oh... Dad just died. Like, you know, and I mean, Scar executed his plan flawlessly. I mean, he... Almost, because he wanted to kill Simba. Mm -hmm. Yes. That part, he didn't. The original part, he did. I mean, like, he... And he did take over for a while. I mean, you know, he was deposed, but he had a stint where he was, you know, he ran them into the, yeah. Oh, anybody else have another one ready at that? Um... I have two that I absolutely love. I love um, Ursula. Yeah. Okay. Because she's conniving. She's, you know, trying to undermine this throne. And they, they, they hint at when she was in charge. So at some point she must have been. And then she's, you know, she's sent away to this cave and wasting away to practically nothing. Um, you know, and, you know, the best way to do that is needle at the guy in charge as kids. Like, you know, mm-hmm. where's his soft spot? His soft spot's for his youngest daughter. Get her and get what means the most to her. Um, you know, she, again, she has a plan. She, she almost flawlessly executes it. And again, she, she becomes that, you know, that big sort of sea monster at the end. Spoiler alerts. (laughs) 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 But, um, at at the same time, like she, she definitely was, she was a great villain character. I also love Maleficent because it's just, she just kind of was like. Everything between the design to the cadence of the voice. Yes. You just, you love her. Like, you love to admire her, but you love to hate her at the same time. She had minions. This gorgeous character that had, yeah, like I said, she's probably got out of all the classic Disney villains, easily the most presence out of all. Absolutely. She had had this classic malevolence, if you will. Um, But, I mean, again, and really... All they did was just not invite her to a party. She's the ultimate unseely fae. Like, you slighted me. You slighted me by not inviting me to your child's party when you invited, like, literally every other fae that there was in the kingdom. But not me? Oh, bitches, no, you're gonna pay. (laughs) And I'm gonna cast this crazy intricate spell on your only child. And that is super unsealing. Oh my god, now I just want to watch a movie of uh, the story of Titania and Mab. Yes! Oh, that would be a great Disney movie. Yeah. If they could somehow, if they could do Midsummer Night's Dream, that would be amazing. Oh my god, that would be pretty cool. That yeah, I take back my previous fun. answer. That one. <laughs> <laughs> that one. I'm going with my favorite Disney movie, so I'm going to say Hades. 
Oh, I love him. James Woods. James Woods is priceless. Even though, even though he had a, albeit very kind of terrible plan to try (laughs) to take over. Oh yeah, let's just release these, you know, gargantuan titans that we really can't control, and we're gonna expect that nobody's gonna be able to stop it. It's fine. But he had so many great one-liners oh my God, in that so movie, funny. and I love James Woods. I love his his voice and, and the cadence in which he delivered his lines. You know what? I, the one thing about James Woods, especially his role as Hades, he comes off as a sleazy car salesman, and he that's totally what makes does. it work. Well, he had he got the of all the he got gods, the shit end of, he yeah. got he did get the shit end. He oh oh, I have to take care of the dead. <laughs> This is the yeah. worst job ever. My brother gets to be the top of the heap, the king of the gods, the gets to throw lightning sea. bolts down yeah. at the earth, and I've got to be stuck down here in the underworld, making sure that all the dead people get to swim <laughs> around in the lake of the dead. Yeah, that's a good job. Uh-huh. Totally a fair trade. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Ooh. So this is hard because a lot of really good ones have been picked, and I want to try to do something a little different. So I have two, and they're both for very different reasons. And I'm going to go to the most recent character, and it's Maui. Because he actually really is the villain of the piece, and the whole idea of that story is making a villain believe in themselves that they're not a villain. Redemption. Yeah. So the whole story about him is... And that's because they even open. The grandmother tells the story of the person that caused chaos to their world. You have just set up a villain. That is what mm-hmm. a villain is. Yeah. And when you meet him, you're like, this is a really fun, slick, awesome guy. Even his song, you're like, this is the catchy song that's going to be stuck in your head for months on end. True. I've listened to it about maybe 400 <laughs> times in the last two days. Um, this is also true. <laughs> but, I mean, like, you get a good idea of him. And when, like, he actually has to do anything that would require effort. And when he feels like something is too difficult, he immediately gives up. And you have to drag that out of him. And ultimately, he's like, peace, I'm out. And then when you want him to come back, and he turns it around at obviously the end, because you need the happy ending. But, I mean, I think... Well, he redeems you, himself. He, he yeah, has, he has his redemption end. story. As yeah. we've talked, like, there are so many great versions in modern Disney films that there's great redemption angles on their villains. But this was one that I thought was... You're watching it, and you're like... Okay, the bad guy's the lava monster, and then you're like, at the end, and of it, you're, you're like, like no, wait, it's not. not at all. It really yeah. isn't. It's not. It really was Maui the whole time. So yeah. I think it was actually really ingeniously done. Um, the other one I got to say though, still to this day, I love Jafar. Ah, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and if it's just because he's of, so classic, it's yeah. it, you know what too, and I think it was really special. I remember being a kid watching a special on ABC, and it was on the Wonderful World of Disney. Growing of up as a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, hosted by Michael Eisner and the person in the Donald Duck suit or the Mickey suit standing next to him and say, hey, this is our new film coming up. And they're like, we did something so different with the design of his character. And I remember that to this day is everything about his character, aside from his hat, everything is an angle. It's all sharp points. Everything's twisted. He's awkward, lanky in weird ways, like all these little things. But even the way he speaks, he feels like a snake. He has that yeah. staff of a snake. I hate All these to say little it, things. they parallel, it, just you bringing that up kind of reminds me, they parallel him to Maleficent in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. That's true. The cadence, the way he speaks, his stature, the angular na- nature of his face, the cool hat, yeah. the staff, yeah. he turns into a huge reptile. Um, there oh. are a lot of parallels, parallels yep. between probably one of their best 
female villainesses to yeah. one of their best, best. villains, especially mm-hmm. of just the strictly animated characters. But it's so funny, true. though, too, because you realize those parallels stand, uh, because if you're not familiar with it, and most people should be at this point, because the series has been out for almost 20 years, is <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. And the big bads of all of Kingdom Hearts are all of the classic Disney villains teamed up together with the Heartless. So when you get to see Maleficent and Jafar and Oogie Boogie stand next to each other, and you see those characters and you see their designs, you're like, holy shit, a lot of these things are correlating in really mm-hmm. fun, unique, interesting ways. Yeah. But then you also remember, holy shit, Disney's got some amazing classic memorable villains because we didn't even yeah, bring up yeah, things yeah. like Cruella or Cruello Deville. I know um Tarzan's not a big film for a lot of people but like I know what is it uh Flint or Clint I can't I remember, remember the bad guy's obviously name obviously he's not that but memorable. um he was the hunter through that and I even remember just playing through Kingdom Hearts I'm like god like this guy's a twisted messed up character like all yeah, these little but Tarzan things. as a whole was kind of mm-hmm. eh don't have to talk about twisted, messed up characters. That I think all would, if I, my memory serves me right, kind of has a, the look of Jafar is from Princess and the Frog, Doctor Facilia, the Shadow Man. Oh yeah, he was really creepy and he's had totally that, creepy. but he had that really awesome look, like he you know wore fancy like it was all in purple, he had like the right? top hat like, and tails with like the skull, yep. and he had that was purples again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that very voodoo esque look mm-hmm. to him, which. You know, going back to that whole Louisiana, you know, New Orleans vibe and oh, culture. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those movies I'm like, dying to watch because it looks it. gorgeous. I'm pretty Get sure I own it, so I'll bring it for um, you. But yeah, so I, I think we all have all different, very unique villains for all different good reasons. And everybody's bringing up their points. So I'm like, I wish I chose that one. I wish I chose <laughs> that one. I wish I chose <laughs> yeah. that one. Yeah, definitely. Um, They're all really solid. But yeah, it's it, it's kind of special kind of going through that. So now, here is the hardest question of oh the night. Before God. we get to our closer, oh. and I'm going to tell you this now, everybody's going to expect we're going to do a cartoon 20, question, 20 questions. Because it's a small group of us tonight, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're going to bring back an old mainstay. But So the last question for us to discuss tonight is this. What is is the best song from a Disney uh, I know, huh? right? I feel yeah. Okay. It's like choosing know- a favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> I know what it is. I know what? what it is, but I want to hear other people's opinions on this first. I know what it is. I know what it is. Oh, man. And when I tell you what it is, you're going to all agree with me. Or I'm going to groan. All right, well, how about this? Let's start. Oh, Let's. Right. We're going to do a narrow down. Okay, narrowing down I can do. So everybody can give three. Oh, man. <laughs> and I'm going to say, I'll start this off to give you guys a couple seconds. All right, we'll start with Kat because I, I still need my third. So Okay. Um, I mean, as much as I love, like, so many different um, Disney songs, there is one that, without fail, that will always get stuck in my head, like, stuck in my head, and it's the one that always pops back up. So I'm just going to go with that one. Um, Mulan, be a man. Let's get down to business to defeat the The Huns. I mean, that one is like, always pops up for me, so I'm going to go with that one. So what are your next two? Oh, God! Well, how about this? We'll each do one. We'll We'll each do one first. An ensemble cast, then maybe like a good, like, sort of like the lead song to that movie. All right, Gina, what is the first one that goes to your mind? And then we're going to narrow down if you're going to say, so we're going to each do one, our second, then our third, and then we each have to strike one from that list coming down to our favorite. I'm going to go with Provincial Life from Beauty and the Beast as my favorite with an ensemble cast because yeah. there, there's just something about going into that song where 
even if you're just listening to it, you can see the entire town unfold around you. And, yeah. you know, it's her singing. It's a tall, really it's, cool. it's her singing her own specific narrative, which is very introspective. And, you know, she's just talking about, oh, there goes the baker, let this tray, like, always. And she's, I hate this town. Not hate it, but, you know, I don't want to end up here. I, I want to do something greater. I want to do something bigger. And then there's this whole town singing around her. And they're perfectly happy with their little provincial life. And they're like, isn't she weird? Again, Mm -hmm. it's that concept of embracing the weird. But if you look at it just from a musicality standpoint, it's stunning. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the intricacies of the harmonies and, you know, the different aspects of it. It just layers beautifully. And that's probably one of my favorite ensemble cast Disney songs of all time. That's a good one. My first one is Zero to Hero. Yeah, Hercules. Hero's so that good. That is a great. I love the muses. Oh uh, yeah, especially in the beginning. Oh my god, they brought they they brought the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. They brought the reggae. Yeah. So mine, I don't know if a lot of people. We haven't even brought up this film yet tonight, and it's actually not even close to one of my favorite uh, Disney movies. It's actually on the lower tier, but I love this song. I want to be like you from. Jungle Book. Oh gosh, King okay. Louie. Yeah, we did. Bring it up is Jungle actually, Book. and it's it's such a fun song. It a fun it's song. very upbeat and happy. But like, I've heard it covered a thousand and one oh, different yeah. ways, and every time I hear it, I'm like, God, it's such a great song, and it's yeah. really hard to get out of your head. And I, I got to give that one a lot of credit. And the second one I'm going to bring up, um, I'll, when we get her back around, I'm sure a lot of people will not even think about at all, or ever probably think. But if they hear it, they definitely remember it. Okay. Um, Little Mermaid, part of your world. I mean, that's just, it's good. That's a classic um, one. Yeah, it's just one of those ones that everyone knows. And it's so much fun to belt out. Mm-hmm. I mean. <laughs> um, probably one of my favorite heroine songs, I would say, is Reflections from Mulan. Oh, because so it's her talking. It's a gorgeous song. And it's it's mm-hmm. one that I kind of memorized as like a quick audition piece if I'm, you know, yeah. for doing like a community theater or something. Because... It's a very short song, but it's very, it's, it showcases a lot of range. It showcases a lot of levels vocally, um, but also just the message of it is, you know, trying to figure out who you are and, oh God, you know, so seeking, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, validation mm-hmm. from yourself and from those around you. So yeah. reflections. I, forgot about that. I, I, I can't use music from Disney parks, can I? Illuminations, reflections of her. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is a classic, and the only thing I probably like about this movie, uh, Pinocchio. Yeah. When you wish upon a star. Oh, I mean, it's classic. when you hear that song. I, I don't think there's anybody out there that doesn't feel their heart warm just a little bit when Aww. that song plays. Like it almost brings a tear to it my makes eye you every think time. Of I hear it. It, it does. Definitely is like one of those. It's one of those songs, songs where it's like I can almost I can hear it like playing as I'm walking through Disney World and I'm just like ah, I'm back there. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. So my second one, um, it's actually from Bed Dogs and Broomsticks, and I don't know if anybody's <laughs> gonna remember this song specifically, but Doctor Amelia's or Professor Amelia Brown sings it. It's um. David Tomlinson, who is the the professor that they meet up with. He's also the dad of Mary Poppins. He is. Portobello Road. It is when they're actually looking at, it's kind of the dregs of the streets, and they're kind of, it's the very sad stories of the people in that city at the time. And there's something about the song that's very haunting, but it's always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I 
every once in a while we'll go back and listen to it. But if you get a chance, look that look up that song because when you hear it, and if you remember that movie, it will immediately come flooding back, and you're like, "Wow, this was a brilliant song. It was just gorgeous." Some of their some of the live action movies from the early like the the classic or the golden age of Disney. Some of the ones that they have from those movies are just, they are stunningly beautiful. And most of them are all written by two brothers that hated each other's guts and barely ever <laughs> spoke to each other. And if you ever want to find out about a lot of classic Disney music, look up a documentary called The Boys. Uh, and it was uh, the Sherman Brothers. And it was an older brother and a younger brother that yeah. wrote music together that Walt said, hey, anytime we need songs, just give it to The Boys. Yeah. That was what they always referred to as, like, they'll figure it out. And the thing is, they hated each other's guts so much that they never spoke if they were not writing music. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and during the documentary, you actually get to watch after 30 years of them not speaking, meeting yeah. up for the first time. Wow. And it is a really incredible thing when you realize every song that they wrote, because I guarantee everybody here knows every one of those songs by heart. Probably, yeah. And it all came from those two, boys, That's uh, amazing. two guys. It's yeah. an incredible documentary. I had no idea. Yeah, your third um, and final. Oh, so hard. Aladdin something. <laughs> something <laughs> from Aladdin. Um, either the beginning song, Arabian Nights, because I really, I just love the feel of that. Um, or his Street Rat song. I forget what it's called. I know the words, but I don't remember the title. Oh, God. That's a good one. It's it's so it, good, it's but... it's Aladdin's main theme yes, basically. It's, yeah. it, it's his introductory it's his song. I loved his intro because that's what made you fall in love with his character in the movie. Like it was you were just like seeing this scrappy little dude trying to hack it and yeah, you know. Jada, your final song. You can do it. <laughs> if you need a second. Um. Oh God, what's the name of it? You want me to come back to you and we can jump to Bill and um, me? Um, yeah. Hold on a second, because Bill? do you know, you have yours? <laughs> I do have mine. Um, you looking up the title too? No, no, no. I'm, okay. not, I'm not looking up the title. Because it's um, tough to remember sometimes. Like you know the lyrics so well and the melody, and you're like, oh, if you don't remember, know, maybe you can ask on a few bars. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I you know, honestly, everybody's got to love this song. Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Oh, that one is so good. Another Not movie we really forgot about. Just kidding. You bastard. Yes, I know. <laughs> but Friend Like Me from Aladdin. That yeah. one's really good. It's that good. is great. But Colors of the Wind. <laughs> Colors of the Wind isn't a bad song. That's it's actually a really good no, it's not it's a a really good song, song. But unfortunately, it comes from Pocahontas, which is, was their A movie at the time that was terrible. It wasn't that <laughs> my final song is one we, me and Kat actually listened to earlier tonight. I forgot. I'm like, that really is one of my favorites. The yeah. Lion King, Be Prepared. Oh, yes. yeah. Just, just like I said, like I was listening to a cover because Jonathan Young, who you guys all have heard from our break music, uh, you, that was a song he did as a cover for Moana. Um, but if you get a chance, check out some of his stuff. But I gotta say, like, he does a great cover of Be Prepared that I love. I know my wife is not as much of a fan of. But going back and listening to the Jeremy Irons version of it, he's so slimy and swarmy. You just compare like, to how, like, he has that Tim Curry twisted voice. Where it's just, like, every word is sensual and slick and, like, you can't... It has that resonation to it, yeah. too. Just his voice is just absolutely... Because, like, you know, it's like... There's nothing quite like it in Disney music. I can't think of an, any song that matches that cadence, except we were saying earlier tonight, 
um, what was it, Shiny? Yeah. Um, from Moana, when mm-hmm. it's the crab. And it has that he has of moments play. of that, where, like, there's points where it's and upbeat, it and then it gets a little bit more smarmy. drag and swarmy, yeah. and, um, but... Yeah, that that smarminess exists all through all of Be Prepared, and I love it because I remember even watching that as a kid, it was that dark background and that green clouds coming up and those big shadows, and it was just very visceral. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I had to give a fourth, I'd say The Night on Bald Mountain from Fantasia, but that feels like a cheat. It's <laughs> uh, not really a but it's Disney not. song. Yeah. But, uh, um, but I gotta say, yeah, definitely Be Prepared is my final one. Wow. Oh, that's tough. <sighs> okay, um... <laughs> I have to go with uh, the first time in forever from Frozen, Aww, because Frozen, so you know, for cute. people yeah. say it's overrated or whatever. The music from Frozen is freaking phenomenal. Yeah, it is. Um, from it's for, really good. the first time in forever, I mean, you have Kristen Bell and you have Dina Menzel, and the both of them are just vocal powerhouses. And you have one that's just this like upbeat, optimistic, and oh my gosh, we can finally like embrace the town and let people in and, yeah. you know, experience life. And the other one who's like, no, shut it up. Get, get me locked away as, as far as you can. Yeah. But in the end, they both want that. They, they both want that time. Too. And oh my gosh. Yeah. When they blend together, it's and amazing. Like, so and I absolutely, I actually do love the song. Let it go for as overplayed yeah. as it is, or as it's it was. I want to build a snowman. It's still actually it, one of my favorite Every time that I hear that song, I get, I get choked chills. up. Yeah. I do. Yeah. And you know what? When I'm in my car by myself, or it's me and the kids, we'll put on some Frozen. I will belt the heck out of that song. It's actually it's really fun to it's sing. Dina Menzel. I mean, like this is she, like it's, she can it's, do it's no the wrong. same as Sorry. Defying Gravity. It's yeah. like it's one of those belty outy like amazing songs that just. I'll like, get a little teary eyed singing it. I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's yeah. it's a beautiful song. And I think everybody here has at least cried once minimum from a Disney film at this table. Oh, like, yeah. I, yeah. I don't I even cried question that. Multiple times at Moana. Yeah. 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 Oh my god. Multiple yeah. times I cried at Moana. Don't even question that in. Within the first 20 minutes, I cried at Moana. Yes, All right, so. so now for the hard part, and we're going to start with the cat. <laughs> what are your three songs that you mentioned? Oh, God, I have to go back through them? Yeah, um, we're now going to strike one each going what? around until we're down to our now final. You're a monster. Wait, what did I say? We said, what is our favorite? Um, I'm going to just go with Milan because that was the first one that I came up okay. with. Okay, so that is, that is your ultimate. Okay, so I'm going to say my absolute favorite. Is definitely going to be Portobello Road from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Your absolute favorite? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Out of the three you brought up, really what is the tough. one for you, Bill? So I was originally coming into this saying, you know, a friend like me, but I'm going to have to go off my list and go on to your list, Rob, and say, be prepared. Be prepared is so okay. good. No, that's totally fair. fair so enough. I have to strike one and. Well, this, what is out of your three, what is your favorite? Because Cat broke our rule set. So. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> It's okay. We're already over two hours. Okay. Um, I'm going to say my favorite one is, um, I'm going to go with Reflections. Okay. Oh, that's so pretty. So now for the point where we close out our show, <laughs> and something we haven't done in quite some time, we're bringing back Mary Fuck Kill tonight. Yeah. Uh, and we are going to go back to the Disney well, and Yay. we're not making the same mistakes twice. <laughs> So tonight, everybody's characters that they are have to choose to marry, fuck, or kill is Jafar, Hades, or Gaston. And tonight, I am going to start with Kat. Um, shit, that's really tough. I think I would... 
Oh, man. I mean, like, I guess Gaston's supposed to be a beefcake. You can fuck him. That's fine. Um, He'll I break wouldn't wanna... you in half. That's fine. Whatever. He's gigantic. Like... <laughs> but, like, I wouldn't have to live with him. One night stand? Okay. Like, I can roll with that. Because uh, Jafar always, like, skeeved me out a little too much when I was younger. So I'm going to have to kill Jafar. I mean, he had, like, that whole, like... I guess smarmy's a good word, but, like, that smarminess going on. But, like, it just veered that line to me, but it was like, mm, no. Um, so, I'm gonna... I would marry Hades. I mean, like, he's a funny guy. Okay, he makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'll eat the pomegranate. <laughs> it's fine. Alright, I'm gonna go next, because I already have it, and it, this is in my head. So, I... Do not like Gaston at all. Like, it's he fair. is, like, probably, I think, the most obnoxious, <laughs> muscle bound, totally annoying villain ever from a Disney film, in my opinion. Uh, he, he's funny and over the top. Yeah. But at the same time, least favorite, probably pretty high up there, I would say, for me. Uh, so he's getting killed. Now, you have to bang Jafar. Like, Jafar is easily the fuck for a good have reason. To bang Jafar. <laughs> because yeah. you have to remember this. <laughs> he has. Lots, uh, you know, immense cosmic power, but you don't move in with him and get married because itty bitty living space. (laughs) Oh, that's true. So obviously you marry Hades. And I I will be his queen of the underworld if he wants me to. Sure, Sure. why not? Eat the pomegranates. And again, it's James Woods. What seems wrong with getting married to James Woods? In all honesty. adorable queen of the underworld. I would be. You guys have matching togas would be adorable. I was going to say, I was like, I'm sure I could probably rock the toga. So... How graphic do you want to get? You can get as graphic as you oh, want. Graphic. You are. I'm gonna have to follow this. You, so, or Jay, did you want to go now? No, no, just go. You've already started. So, so Kat, I'm actually following your line of thinking here. Okay. We're gonna kill Jafar because yeah, he's a skeevy motherfucker. He's super skeevy. Oh no. I I would be the one fucking Gaston because he looks like he has a really tight asshole. He does. <laughs> it's true. He has like a tiny little. He's got the he's got the exaggerated ass. V-shaped. Yeah. No one yeah. blows like Gaston. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and that and that. And you know, you know, he's a virgin back there. Like, yes. You know it. It's it's oh, definitely. Yeah. And honestly, even though yeah. even though he's like huge up top. Yeah. I'm still imagining he's just got this ginormous cocky where you could put both hands around it, like you probably could, yeah. Or he's compensating for something. Or he's compensating for something. So but you that's know, okay. He, well, he, he seems a little it. roided out, so he's, he's probably fairly well, small. No, no, he's but he not does roided. Pilates, so the back end is. Tight. I don't think he's roided out because again, they didn't have steroids. What did he say? Yeah. He was when he was a young boy. He ate four dozen eggs. eggs every morning, and then he now he eats five dozen eggs. So, so he's roughly the size I, of the barge. I think. Um, <laughs> I think he's a large gentleman. Yeah. yeah. And then, yes, you marry Hades. You be his queen of the underworld. <laughs> you know, you, you, you try to make the underworld nice and cozy for him to live in. Aww. Because, like, you know, everybody here knows you're not the king to Hades. Right. Like, he, like I said, we brought him up earlier as the sleazy car salesman. He's the one that gets you to get the undercoating, which we all know is nothing, really. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right, so... I am going to say for my marry, fuck, kill, I would actually marry Jafar because it's a marriage of power. I mean, he, he knows how to get what he wants. And honestly, Jade is wife, like, if I can kill him, now I'm the royal vizier. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, so you, you learn a little bit of sorcery. And also, you know, just because you're, it's a 
marriage of power does not necessarily mean that I have to be sleeping anywhere near him. Because, yeah, he is kind of skeevy. But you know what? You you have your harem over there. That's fine. I'll have mine over here. We're good. Um, and, you know, you sleep in that wing of the, of the you know, royal palace. Gigantic and I'll over palace, here. I, yeah. I'll have my, like, glorious fountains and pet tigers and stuff. It'll be great. Um, you know, just don't come and see me at all. That's fine. You stay over there. So I would marry Jafar. I would definitely fuck Gaston. Uh, I have Especially to, the Luke Evans version? Especially I mean, the Luke Evans <laughs> version. Oh my god. But yeah, yeah I kind of like a guy with shoulders, because yeah, he's, he's got some nice shoulders. I, I, yeah. I could sink my teeth into that. I would not be, I would not be sad. And yeah, I kind of think he's probably pretty huge. Yeah. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to go with your reasoning on that one. And I'm sorry, Hades, but you're far too bitter. I, I, can't, I can't deal with that kind of toxic toxicity. You can stay down in the underworld as far as I'm concerned. So you're going to kill Hades for him to come back only to kill him again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's fine. Uh, again, it, it was just sort of... i got to figure out where, where, where we're going on this one. But I, I would definitely... Yeah. Sorry, Hades. You're my third choice. Coming back to the used car salesman bit. I would allow Hades to give me an undercoating any <laughs> I kind of want to write the, the sleazy sex version of the Gaston song now, um, though, too. I kind of oh want to God, tie right? Gaston up and attach him to some of his antler decorating stuff. I'm just yes, saying. That'd be pretty like fun. That. So there's a line in the song that I've always, you know, mashed these other words into it. No one spits like Gaston. No one shits like Gaston. Because mm. <laughs> he eats a shit ton of food. There's got to be some pretty muggy there, shit coming out of it, too. That, I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> so you better watch out. That's true. Yeah. Too, yeah. <laughs> Double enema first. <laughs> oh, God. Oh this God. is why I miss MFK. And it's nice to throw in every once in a while. We were coming up nil because we couldn't think of characters to do. And there well, we go. Disney villains. I'm Disney all over villains, it. Yeah. Literally. Um. Uh, fantastic. All right. So let's uh, do uh, some uh, quick plugs going around the room. Uh, starting with Bill. Oh, gosh. Anything what? special going on in your world and you feel like you want to talk about? Um, really? I don't know. I mean, I want to build a new computer rig so I can start streaming video gaming. Do you want to build a PC? I do want to build a PC. Do you want to build a Mac? No, it no doesn't one has to, to be a Mac. Mac. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I seriously want to get out there and do some video game streaming and, and, and share my side of geekdom with everyone as Aww. best I can. So yeah, Awesome. Jada, what's going on in your world? Oh, what's part of my world? No. Um, well, right now I'm really super motivated to go home and have a huge Disney sing-along for the next, like, five straight days. Right? Um, so, yeah. I mean, aside from just seeing the normal, mild-mannered mother of three stuff, um, looking forward to goal this year, except for myself, is to get certified to teach Zumba. And That's probably awesome. going to be doing some choreography to some Moana stuff relatively soon. So that'll be that fun. That would be amazing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, aside from that. Awesome. That's yeah, I mean, just my life's kind of boring. Sorry. No, that's awesome. <laughs> that is super cool. Kat, what is going on in your world? We mentioned one um, of the books you're working on right now. Uh, yeah, so I have, um, I guess a book just came out in February, uh, Rising for Autumn, which is book three of my Philly Coven Chronicles. Yay! I just submitted book four, Waking for Winter, which will be the final one in the series. Yay! So if you like Faye and Philly and Hunters... And banging that, and... And banging. <laughs> and who doesn't? <laughs> that would be up your alley, then. That is the three-word tagline. 
Philly, Fay, and fucking. No. <laughs> I like with a PH, you should totally do that. Uh huh. <laughs> Um, as for me, um, I also have another show on Next Level Network, uh, and you can find me and Ben Beck, uh, on DC Primetime, uh, just a couple weeks ago since the last episode of this show and the last few weeks, we interviewed Teddy Sears, who played Zoom on The Flash, which was an amazing, amazing interview. Uh, we actually were supposed to have 20 minutes with him. He ended up chatting with us for 45 minutes. He, uh, if you haven't or are not familiar with either The Flash, he also has a show right now he's doing, which is 24 Legacy on Fox. He is playing the head, new head of the CTU, um, and he is absolutely phenomenal in both shows. And uh, he was an amazing interview. So if you haven't got a second, head over to nextlevelradioonline.com slash DC Primetime. Check out the Teddy Sears interview. And obviously check out uh, DC Primetime um, from me and Ben, because like we said, we do that show every week. And uh, we're not far away, but pretty soon in a couple weeks, uh, Brian Glein from... Uh, Distressed Citizens Radio DCR, who is one of the podcasts that helped kind of get us a big start, uh, is going to come back when the Flash and Supergirl crossover is happening, and Yay! it's a musical episode. I can't wait oh. for that episode. Oh my so god. Coming up very soon. So if you're not watching those shows, definitely, uh, if you want to get caught up, our show is a great way to get caught up in the last couple seasons, so definitely check that out. Um, and as always, you can check out more about the Caffeine Crew over at nextlevelradioonline.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the Caffeine Crew, and you can always email us at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. And we say a special thanks each and every episode to DJ Cutman and Cut, uh, sorry, Game Chop Records, not Cutman Records. That's uh, a Mega Man boss. Um, <laughs> but Game Chop Records, uh, where you can find out all of their fun music. And the song that you hear on our show is How Attractive from the Wii U Grooves album. So definitely give them a shout out and check them out. And uh, we'll see you guys in just a couple of short weeks now when we'll give you the March episode. I'm sure it'll be a lot more timely. And uh, we're going to figure out how we're going to uh, move forward with the format because this was, I think, my favorite episode of the show ever. Yay! So uh, I hope you guys really enjoyed what we did tonight and doing a single topic discussion because it was a blast. But thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Bye! Bye! Bye.